0: Hey guys, Bex here. Allow me to tell you a little story. You see, my best friend is a magical girl, and she tells me all about her adventures on Monster Island, along with her annoying brother. And get this, her brother complains to me as well. It's kinda awkward being their friend sometimes. Anyway, this one starts early one morning when Nate enters his new media master office.
1: Man, I forgot how huge this office is. I see they've refurbished it. That's nice. Of course, they replaced all of Curran’'s paraphernalia with generic Monster Island photos. I love Godzilla, but I don't need 97 pictures of him on the wall. I have plenty of collectibles and framed posters I can replace them with. Besides, why do I need pictures when I have panoramic windows to spy on the real Lizard King? Correction, Nate. You're spying on Winter and his goons. Stay focused. <sighs> now, let's take a look at this desk. It doesn't have any scorch marks from when I was electrocuted by Corona, so it must be new. What's this box here? Huh? Cigars and like a foolin' 37-year-old malt scotch whiskey? How much is this? Holy frick! Oh my, jeez. Dr. Teutopolis was right when he said winter will bribe you into his good graces. Remember why you're here, Nate. Here's a note. Of course it has the Solstice Technologies letterhead. Mr. Marchand, I figured if you're going to have a big boy job, oh geez, you need to have some big boy gifts. Double OGs. Enjoy, signed Darius R. Gold. I told Johnny Cash Grab I don't smoke. Ugh. Well, suppose one drink can't hurt. Bottoms up! Baka! Ah!
2: Is that alcohol? It's eight o'clock in the morning, bad boy.
1: And no one needed to know, but you just had to walk in.
2: I came to wish you luck on your first day as media master, and now I have blackmail material.
1: (laughs) Having you as a pseudo-sister is embarrassing enough. You love me. Like a migraine.
0: That's what you get for thinking too hard.
1: You should try it sometime.
0: I'll have you know. Suddenly, Gary enters the office. His business casual outfit is more unkempt than normal. He has dark circles under his bloodshot eyes and a face paler than a ghost. (sighs) Someone need a restraining order. Good morning, Gary. Yeah, good... huh? Good morning, children. Behind Gary steps out a mysterious, tanned woman wearing a short body-hugging black dress that matches her raven hair and dark eyes. She never stops smirking.
1: Wow! Who's your lady friend there, Gary? Oh, she's, um, she's, Mina, that's, that's right, she's a uh... <sighs>
2: legal action team's new legal assistant. It's a pleasure to meet you, Mr. Marchand.
0: Mina shakes Nate's hand. And he's a little surprised by how cold it is, but is too struck by her devilish beauty to think anything of it.
1: Call me Nate. And if you don't mind me saying, Miss Mina, you are dressed to kill.
0: Back Slapping her brother is practically a reflex for Jess. What? You're a spirited girl, Miss Shaw. How... delectable. (laughs) What brings you two to
1: my new office this morning? I, um... I... I wanted to tell you, uh, something.
0: He wanted to congratulate you on your promotion, Nate.
1: I appreciate it, but it looks like you could use some coffee, Gary. Or, better yet, a vacation.
0: (sighs) You could say that.
1: I've, um... I've, uh...
0: Gary's been working overtime. I helped him do some research late last night. No rest for the wicked, huh?
1: Jessica?
0: Just then. Jess noticed a weird mark on Gary's jugular vein. What's that bruise on your neck, Gary?
1: Bruce?
2: Oh, um, <laughs> so that's, um, that, uh, what it is, is I, um- He passed out on his desk last night and landed on his Gary
1: Berghoff glasses paperweight. The one encased in plexiglass? It, it hurt.
2: I hope it did.
1: That's enough, Jess.
2: It's all right, mate. I'm sure she just feels a little intimidated around such a strong woman.
1: Do you know who- Anyway, thanks for stopping by.
2: You're welcome. I... need to get back to work.
1: Yes, you do, love. Yes, you do.
2: All right, you
1: little- Tell Raymond I said hi.
0: We will. Come, Gary. Mina gestures alluringly with her finger as she walks away just sees at the woman's undulating and shapely hips.
1: Yes, Miss Mina.
0: Gary stumbles after her as they walk out the automatic door.
2: I hate her.
1: I could tell.
0: Strutting
2: in here like she owns the place.
1: (laughs) More like she owns Gary.
2: I know, right? At least the wench could have made Gary wear a turtleneck to hide the hickey she gave him.
1: You said that out loud. Uh, I did. <laughs> Who's the Baka now? I. Well. Hey, at least Mimo likes you. He's just too busy visiting Mama Mothra for her birthday to hang out with you today. Shut up. Can't. I have to get to the studio to talk about a Godzilla film with the Jack and Eddie Brothers.
0: See ya! Baka! Oh, but there's more to come, kaiju lovers. Stay tuned.
1: Live from the K.I.J.U. studios in beautiful Ogasawara, this is the Monster Island Film Vault, episode 69, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, featuring Luke and Jason Giaconetti. Hello! kaiju lovers, and welcome to the Monster Island Film Club, a podcast seeking entertainment and enlightenment through tokusatsu. I am your host, the film curator here on Monster Island, Nate Marchand, and today we are continuing our Godzilla Redux series, although I've heard one of our guests today, yes we have two, say it as Godzilla redo. so I don't know, it's French, it's kind of funny like that. Okay, Jimmy, I don't need any more lip from you about that. All right. Okay. You know, it's just, and besides, you should know a lot about what our guests are going to be talking about today because you too grew up in New York City. So I'm sure you all three of you will have some fun stories to share. But who do I have on today for this particular episode? Well, I have the hosts of such podcasts because, like me, they do multiples. Such podcasts as Earth Destruction Directive and Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie podcast. Them Jackinetti boys, Luke and Jason.
3: Hey, hey Nathan. Hey. How is it going, man?
1: Hey, this is exciting because I've had you on before, Luke, but this is your first time, Jason. <laughs> it is. It is my first time. Happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. So how'd you fellas get to the island today? Did you come together? Really? <laughs> no, that we is got weird. Things. I we would think you guys would just or be origins. attached at the hip.
3: <laughs> well, you know, people people think that. In fact, some people even mistake us for being the same person. But um, <laughs> get into that. I mean, uh, you guys are two different people guys, with two different names
1: and two different. Voices. I was going to say. Yeah. I was going to say. I I see the family resemblance, but th- there's definitely <laughs> some differences.
3: <laughs> no, well, we, we came from different different points to get here today. So, I mean, you know, you remember the last time I came out here. I, yep. you know, my, I, I went down to Florida and there was that big hole in the ground and the, oh, the yeah. pig and all that. And I said, you know what mm-hmm. the hell with this? I'm flying commercial. That's what I said. Oh. I said, I'm just going to fly commercial. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I don't care if it takes a couple of stopovers. Right. So there I am. Uh-huh. I'm, on, I'm on the plane. I get what I always drink on the plane, which is black coffee. Cause you know, it's hot. Cause they had to make it fresh. Ah, mm-hmm. Right. So I'm drinking my black mm-hmm. coffee. Mm-hmm. I'm As opposed
1: there. to say like a blue mountain. I've it might nice. it might have been
3: blue mountain i don't know i didn't i didn't think to ask where the beans
1: came i, from. I don't know i mean they they i hear i haven't been there yet because i kind of don't want to go there at the moment but the uh, the new bar that just opened here nessie's brasserie apparently they specialize <laughs> in several drinks including blue mountains
3: well you know the a blue mountain is actually just blue mountain coffee from jamaica because it's a coffee ah. ball in the mm-hmm. film, and I and I have had Jamaican coffee, and as a guy that likes coffee, it's good. But anyway, so mm-hmm. there I'm, I'm. So I'm sitting on the plane, right? And we're, and we're just flying, and sudden, and I'm just sitting there, right? And I, I, you know, I'm just staring out the window, whatever. And there's this really bright light, mm-hmm. and it it says, "Hey, Jack and Eddie, jump out of the plane." And I'm like, <laughs> what?
4: "What?"
3: And I'm like, "The voice is like, no, dude, seriously, jump out of the plane." And I'm like, "It's a perfectly good airplane. I'm not going to jump out of it." Like I paid money for this seat. This this is non-refundable. Okay, this you uh. know this ain't the '80s. But they said no. Seriously, you got to jump out of the plane. So I get up, I throw the thing. Everybody's pissed off at me now. I jumped out of the plane. Uh, I got picked up by a fisherman. Luckily, he was a cool. He was a cool guy. I will say that. He was a cool? He let he let me have his hat and his pants because my, my I lost my hat. My ah. pants were just my pants were just ruined. Oh, and, that's and, awkward. Uh, and he dropped me off at the visitor center. And uh, and your girl. The crystal lady, oh, she, she, she brought me. Uh, around. Jessica. She, you know, yeah, I know you guys give Jessica a hard time, but every time I know she is a she's an absolute peach. I swear to God. You know, you guys you oh, give yeah. her a lot of grief, but yeah.
1: she always she she and me, I got yeah, no well, beef well. With, with Jessica. Jimmy keeps telling me to be nicer to her.
4: So.
3: <laughs> well, you know, sometimes yeah, Jimmy, but, some but it's ideas, sisters, you know. man. What are you gonna do about it? <laughs> i don't have any sisters so you know but uh. you know so uh but yeah that like so i got here that way i don't and then jay, I, I read, jay was i was waiting for him at the lobby
5: oh yeah well how'd you get here jay well brother let me tell you i was all ready brother to get on the plane and <laughs> then the big stinky giant was there and i said brother we ain't gonna do this now and he said no <laughs> No, I brought down the heavens from you. I picked up the big stinky giant and I slammed him down and the whole eastern seaboard crumbled into the ocean. And did I panic, brother? No, I got on my back and I backstroked all the way, brother, to the island, brother. That's me. I put it I pulled everyone to safety. I'll tell you all them. Because wow. brother, I have the largest arms backstroking across the ocean to get
1: here. Wow. Just just mm-hmm. wow. Yeah.
5: Whoa. Well, Great you know, it, when the big the big stinky oh, well. giant was really the problem. I said, you know, look, mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this. But you know. Sometimes we had to. So anyway, and then we got there and Luke's like, hey, how'd you get here? And I had to tell him. And he's like, well, yeah, the big stinky giant, you know, does those things. (laughs) And I was like, you know, yeah. And I said, hey, those are some nice pants. He's like, yeah, the fisherman gave it to me. And that guy's over there wearing no pants, you know, sans pants. (laughs) And I was like, brother, 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 what are you doing? Like, cover that up. There's women and children here. And he's like, (laughs) oh, no, I'm good. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, brother, no. So we went and had to get him some shorts. Mm-hmm. They were they were cool though because they're
3: like cut off and they're awesome and huh. the way they sit. But we're good. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, dude, I, I, mean I mean, I mean, I'm honestly, honestly, you know, for a fisherman, he had some good fashion sense. You know. Yeah. He yeah, went right, yeah. for, that, right yeah. for that floral print. You know, and I <laughs> oh. wouldn't have picked it up. I wouldn't have gone that direction. I wouldn't have. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm man yeah. enough
1: to say that, but he rocked it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it, it takes. A heck of a man to rock floral patterns. Well, I'm going to be honest. Is that you know knowing? will few, provide,
5: brother. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah saying, i knowing yes. knowing <laughs> a few people who have partaken in the fishing community. You know, from from you know up on the East Coast. You know, like it's a whale, Jay. You know, kind of thing. The whole point is some of them like the stripes and the plaids together. And I'm like, brother, 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 this is not the nineties. We are not grunge. Do not bring the plaids and the stripes together. Do not call upon the heavens to bring down the fury of the fashion police. Brother. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, we're good.
1: (laughs) Uh, 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 Wow. Just, just, wow. (laughs) Uh, yes, Jimmy, I was wondering if Jason was blowing out the mics a little bit there. The, <laughs> I, I subtly have a hankering to watch WrestleMania. I'm not sure exactly why. <laughs> uh, so, anyway. <clears throat> Sorry. The uh, important I'm glad thing to is, see you, Jim. Yeah, we all got here. That's the important Yeah, thing. we all got here. Well, I, I work here. Although, I, did, I just did a little bit of traveling myself. I just came back from G-Fest. So oh. I was over in Chicago for a very nice, very busy weekend. So, well, and and you know the the good thing about having
3: G Fest in Chicago, what you can't drop an atom bomb on Chicago. Yes, <laughs> yep, everybody knows that. Adam, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Peter Graves. I'm Peter Graves. So <laughs> for a biography. Oh, next on biography,
1: Peter Graves. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, man. I knew it was going to be a little bit of a madhouse having the two of you here at the same time. <laughs> I've listened to your shows. Well, <laughs> yeah. you imagine if Peter Graves like, next on biography,
5: Go Gojira, big green monster, or your friend? Up next.
3: <laughs> Just throwing it out there.
1: Uh, he's totally wrong about him being green, but sure. <laughs> A <laughs> uh, t- typical Western bias, right? Yeah, so, huh? it is. I except for one movie. Well, no where is it too. You would know, Luke. You would know Luke because in two thousand, he's green. I'm trying to remember: it's is the, he green in Mega Garris? He's green. I'd I'd say he's green in Mega Yeah, I think yeah because I think it's the same suit. I think he's but a little anyway. more
3: green, but yeah, yeah. I mean, know that's yeah, but that's uh, yeah. we that that's a little far afield from the movie we're talking about today. We're yeah, a we're tiny gonna, bit, a gonna, tiny bit. Yeah, we're a gonna set our way back machines. Everybody, dial that in to. <laughs> 1964 i know what you're saying 1964 nathan's already covered Mothra versus godzilla well you'd be wrong and it's very <laughs> presumptuous of you as a listener because coho this is how much moxie toho has at this point right where a few films into the show period they've had a lot of success they because of delays on the film red beard right which was supposed to come out the Kurosawa film, it's the last time mm-hmm. that Kurosawa, Kurosawa actually film. collaborated with Toshiro Mifune. So it's a, kind of a big deal, right? Because that fell behind, boom, New Year's 1964, mm-hmm. we get at a Three-Headed Monster. And as all you asia files know, New Year's, that's a big deal in Japan, right? That's a, more akin to Christmases here in, in, the, in the States. So this mm-hmm. was a big mm-hmm. deal. And this film ends up being a big deal, air quotes up to the mic, despite the fact that it's not always considered a air quotes up to the mic big deal relative to the films that came before it. But what this film means for the Showa era cannot be overstated, you know, because of the thing, the development of this film influence the next uh, Mm -hmm. decade worth of Godzilla films and Toho films in general.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And as I mentioned in the Mothra versus Godzilla episode, this was a big year for Toho and a big year for Japan, just like you said. Toho released not one, not two, but three kaiju films in 1964. Mothra vs. Godzilla in, I believe that was, it was in spring. I don't remember the exact release. I think yep. I want to say April. And then we had Dogura, which I've covered in a previous episode with my friend Michael Hamilton. That was in August. And then we had this one in December to fill the spot left by Red yep. Bear, but also because Mothra vs. Godzilla was a tremendous success. <laughs> so they wanted to crank out a sequel as quick as they could. So, about eight, nine months, which seems insane to think about now that any movie studio can make any worthwhile right. film that quickly. <laughs> but this, you know, it's not the fastest any of these movies have been produced or even just the fastest that any.
3: That's exactly what I was going to go with. And Jay, I know you were thinking the same thing. Son Kong is that infamous, yeah. incredibly tight turnaround, especially for stop motion. Yep. yep. Ghidorah has the advantage of using several props mm-hmm. and several cast members from the previous film that were contract players. So they were able to, to turn it around. And you also had, you know, uh, Mr. Sakazawa who could, he could bang out a story. You know, he, he was a, he was a
1: prolific writer. Yeah, Sekizawa was one of the unsung heroes of yeah. the show era, him and his colleague Takeshi Kimura. Well, you know, the thing with
3: Sekizawa is and what I've noticed and Jay and I, we, we talked about this not too long ago on an episode of Our Destruction Directive, where in the last I'd say the last 10 years or so, the Godzilla films have been critically reevaluated Especially in the wake of that that Criterion collection mm-hmm. and yes. just the restoration efforts in general to restore those films, and in in the case of *Teramet Godzilla*, we were talking about Toriyoshi mm-hmm. Nakano, and we're a few years away oh, from Nakano. Handling God rest his soul. Huh.
4: Yeah,
3: but he's uh, no longer with us. Yeah, unfortunately, but uh, but Sekizawa was another one that I think his contributions were. Like you say, kind of overlooked a little bit, but then when you when you start critically re-examining the films and you look at the the major themes and tropes of especially the front half of the show of films and how much of that is Sekazawa and was brought in by his influences, that you really mm-hmm. start to see yeah his handprints are just as much on this as Honda as Subaraya as Ifakube, as uh, Tanaka all the major players he's definitely in there and now I think we're starting to see more. More folks, you know, both on podcasts and in you know general discussion online, giving Sakazawa his due for what he does, and definitely again, his influence is all over this. About the only thing this movie doesn't have is like a strange juice of some kind, right? If it had a strange yeah. juice yeah. made from berries, we'd be we'd be in business. Well, no. it's got an island. It's got an island. Oh, no, it's got we do island. have an island. It's it's an island. Monster it... god. It's got um, you know, uh, uh, and it's got a and monsters fighting each other. It's got uh, monsters as weapons yep. of mass destruction. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: <laughs> the. It's definitely a great example of the tried and true Seccazile formula of people threaten people, monsters solve it. Yeah, that was that was his trademark. He revolutionized the genre when it was just a few years out, actually in the early '60s. Oh well, no, not even the early '60s. It was kind of the late '50s with Varan. He was starting to get oh, his I feet do. wet with it, mm-hmm. and then he, you know. It, it, made it into something almost completely different almost where you had parallel plot lines or it was a, you know, it was a human centric story that had kaiju in it. And then the kaiju would solve the problem or they would interact with each other at key points as we'll see in this film. But speaking of Sekizawa and storytelling, Luke, uh, would you like to let us all know what happens in this movie? Sure. We'll cue some Epic music for you while you do it. Get at it, Jimmy.
3: All right. Thank you, Mr. Composer. So so in our story here, okay, I'm just going to give you a 10,000-foot view. There's a heat wave going on in Japan, and no one's really quite sure what's going on. And a reporter, Naoko, she is interviewing with the UFO societies. They're watching for UFOs, and they witness a meteor shower. They see a giant meteor that crashes on Okay, And her brother, Shindo, at the same time of all this, he gets assigned to guard... Princess Salno of the tiny subcontinental Asian co- country Selgino, because she mm-hmm. is being targeted for political assassination because it's suggested that communists want to take over her country. So Salno is flying to Japan. While she's flying to Japan, a bright light and a voice appears to her and tells her she must leave the plane. And she does just in time, because Malmes, who well, I always call Malmes because that's what his name was for years in the translation, I know. Uh, <laughs> as, as, as planted <laughs> as he's wearing a really cool collar like he's uh, William Shakespeare has planted a bomb on the plane <laughs> the plane blows up right but the princess escapes and she's presumed missing okay then right after that okay this prophetess appears claiming to be from the planet venus And she looks exactly like Uh the princess.
1: Oh, that's triggering Jimmy. He's got issues with Venus.
3: That's a sore (laughs) subject. That's a sore subject. It's Mars in the dub, I know, but it's a sore (laughs) subject for Jimmy. But So the Venusian prophetess, she starts giving these prophecies of doom about how the Earth is going to be destroyed, and she gives a prophecy that Rodan will emerge from Mount Asa. And nobody takes this seriously. They're like, no, whatever. There's there's been no uh, activity at this mountain. Nothing's gonna happen. Well, guess what? Everybody's favorite flying monster does appear from Mount Aso and takes off and mm-hmm. back to terrorize Japan. Then the the prophetess she gets the attention of the Shobogen. Mothra's twins are in Japan to do a TV spot because apparently they can't get enough of like getting like you know promotional <laughs> <and> entertainment <laughs> stuff. They make nightclub and their movie and yeah. how they're doing TV, but. After they do their show, okay, the prophetess is on the same boat and she warns that uh, the boat must not sail because if the boat sails, something terrible is going to happen. And the, the Shobajin get off the boat and sure enough, Pro, uh, Godzilla appears and destroys the boat. Okay. The prophetess, meanwhile, has been taken by Naoko because Naoko wants an interview with her for the TV show that she writes for, Mysteries of the 20th Century. What she doesn't know, Naoko that is, is that Malmes and his men are in Japan to finish the job. And while they try to assassinate uh, the princess, the prophetess, who we think is the princess, Shindo shows up and there's a big shootout and everybody, the, the bad guys get away and the princess is still safe. But now we've got two monsters loose in Japan and Godzilla, while landing uh, on Japan, is spots Rodan and is fascinated. And he's like, I'm gonna go fight that. And the two <laughs> Earth monsters proceed to beat the tar out of each other anytime they see each other. So Shindo and Naoko, they take the prophetess, they take her to a psychiatrist who examines her and says that, no, she's perfectly normal. She be- truly believes she is a Venusian. So they're getting ready to hit her with some shock therapy to, uh, to bring her back out of this. And The assassins come in, and they're going to kill her with the electricity, but Rodan drops Godzilla on the power line and shuts it off so that she is not killed. But before she goes into that, she prophesies that a great monster called King Ghidorah is a monster from space that completely destroyed all Venusian society, and now it's already here. Remember that meteorite that landed? Well, that's being investigated by Professor Murai, the research team on Mount Kuradaka it's not just a meteor because out of that meteor hatches the space monster King Ghidorah with three heads and a voice like a bell and he's spitting gravity beams from his uh, from his three heads and flying and destroying anything in his path at, at a special session of the Diet to address just what are we going to do Shindo says I or excuse me Professor Murai says I know it's is it Shindo or Murai that says, I know it's uh, it's unscientific, but we could ask the fairies to ask Mothra for help. So they, the fairies sing for Mothra. Mothra comes and agrees to help convince Godzilla and Rodan to fight King Ghidorah because they all have to defend the Earth. The Earth monsters don't want anything to do with it. They don't like men. They, they're tired of being pushed around by men. Rodan says he'll simply fly away. Godzilla uses some terrible language. Yeah. So <laughs> Mothra goes to fight King Ghidorah on his own. They're pretty pissed off by this because Godzilla's like, no, I ain't letting the little guy do this and make me look like a schmuck. So Godzilla and Rodan <laughs> win the fight, and, the, and on Mount Fuji, a titanic battle is clashed between the three Earth monsters and the space monster. And eventually, the three Earth monsters send the space monster flying away with his two tails tucked firmly between his legs. <laughs> the, at the same time as all this, The prophetess still thinks she's a Venusian, along with Naoko and Shindo and Professor Murai. They're on Mount Fuji trying to get away. There's nowhere anyone can go, and they're still being pursued by Malmes and his, uh, his assassins. His assassins end up getting killed in a rock slide, and it's just Malmes at this point. And a bullet grazes the prophetess's head, shot by Malmes, and that brings her memory back. She recognizes the traitor who killed her father and screams at him as a traitor. And just as Malnus is about to take the final blow, the battle above between the monsters above sends rocks crashing down, killing him, saving the princess from her assassination. As she gets ready to fly back to Selgina, Princess Selna reveals that she does remember a little bit of what happened, including that Shindo saved her life three times and that Shindo is now her hero. So as the princess flies back to her country to, uh, you know, now that the, the political assassination threat is over, the Shobha Jin and Mothra head back to Infant Island saying Goodbye Godzilla, goodbye Rodan Goodbye
1: <laughs> And that's the
3: end of our story
1: There you go There you go This, I have to say Especially after watching it again In anticipation of this episode Whew This, this script is a little More complicated than Sekizawa normally does He One of his trademarks is simplicity yeah, notoriously well not notoriously famously I should say when he was given the initial serialized novel for Mothra he read it and said I need to make this simpler yeah. <laughs> so he simplified it You know, went from four fairies to two you know so uh, this one is yeah there's
3: well, a lot going thing, on it's very James Bond going
1: on well, I was going to say
3: the thing with this is that, so you've got a very Bondian sort of field of this, but you know, 1965, we're right in there because mm-hmm. the James Bond series starts in, in 1962 of the film series mm-hmm. with Dr. No. So you're already right there. In fact, two years, or excuse me, three years after this, we get you only live twice, yep. which has Akiko Wakabayashi and my Hama in it. The two Toho mm-hmm. girls are in that mm-hmm. film. And, mm-hmm. and, and say Wakabayashi, of course, is in this one. So it definitely has that. And anytime you're introducing, you know, the potent the, the potential threat of communism, like we'd see a few years down the road in Ibrahim of the Deep, that alone always kind of ties it into that sixties political Cold War type of situation, even in Japan. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So yeah, definitely definitely a little bit more complex, but I think it's I think it's better for it. You know, it has yeah, it has you know, I don't know that allegorically it's as strong as Martha versus Godzilla, because Mothra versus Godzilla and the the anti-capitalist themes in that are so wonderful and so a mm-hmm. snapshot of that of mm-hmm. that period of Showa Japan. This one's mm-hmm. more like a not I don't want to say a fairy tale, but like an action adventure story. It's like a myth. It's like a heroic myth, you know, mm-hmm. and it it works mm-hmm. so well on that level.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you bring up. Uh, talk of uh, the threat of communism and all of that, because i if, just to kind of put this into context a little bit, this movie was actually released just a few months after China did its first nuclear test. Did you yeah. Did you know that? Yeah, five yeah. nine six or Chick One C H I C. I don't know if that's Chick or Chic One. Yeah. I, I did
3: know that because there there's always that school of thought that King Ghidorah is supposed to represent the threat represent of China, China.
1: yeah, and, and and Rodan is Russia, which is just
3: weird. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those things where you're trying to make it fit type of situation. You yeah, know, uh, I've got there's a um, there's a quote. Where is it? I got it here on on Wikizilla somewhere that. It was not that the, you know, the idea that he was... Um, oh, no, excuse me. It's here on, on Wikipedia. So Ishiro mm-hmm. Honda said, Gita is basically Yamato no Orochi. It's an old folktale. Yeah. We wrote it as a creature from outer space. It's fine for audiences to think that way, referring to China. But I do not believe it was written with such a political notion. I don't either, you know? Because it... Yeah, that's not Sakazawa. Yeah.
1: He was apolitical. If it was,
3: if it was Kimura, you know...
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be it would be all kinds of political because that's how Kimura, that's how Kimura worked. He'd be and
5: red it, with a big uh, like this the star
1: and yeah. stuff. Be like, look, look, <laughs> what's on my chest? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, we could make the joke because, you know, in the dub, it was Ghidra when it was released in the United States. It was Ghidra yep. the three-headed monster, not Ghidorah, because uh, which, according to David Caledon, his commentary, and in his book for that matter, he said that that's, that's still a, a legitimate way to pronounce it because he said that Japanese people speak so fast that they'll cut little vowels and things out. So yeah. the joke could be made. You could say, Hail Ghidra. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that's that's always
3: been and, the supposition, right? That the name Ghidra came about because yep. it sounded more like Hydra.
1: Hydra. hmm Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but, but I would tell you, I was looking through and researching this. Apparently, nobody can. There's like I think I found at least three or four stories about where the inspiration for Ghidra came from, for Ghidorah. Uh, there was one that was directly the Hydra, because Tomoyuki Tanaka came in with a book on Greek mythology and pointed to a seven-headed monster, which is the Hydra, and said that. And then, yeah, Orochi, that was another one. That's the more direct Japanese mythological origin, and right. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think uh, I'm going to keep keep. I'll, I keep talking. I'll rummage through my notes if I can find the other one because I came across a yeah. few. Well, so but the thing, quick, and, and... let me just throw this in real quick. Yeah, go ahead, Jay. Okay, so just one of the things I always found really interesting
5: was King Ghidorah when they originally like when they originally talk about the coloring and stuff like that because we, we I mean we all know him. He's gold and he shoots, you know, the anti gravity, you know, lightning bolts and the whole nine. That he actually, they had talked about him being purple and his rainbow-colored wings. Rainbow.
1: Colored
4: wigs.
5: rainbow. <laughs> now, uh, you just said you were at G Fest, and I, I'm assuming you went through the models they had on display there. Oh, yes. And the big, the big display that won. So my buddy Eric and oh, and I just and Robert, they did that. That's I, I, I've been friends oh. with them for years. They're huge modelers, and they're for those who who were at G Fest and saw it, or if you've seen pictures on Facebook, because a lot of people took pictures of stuff the kit itself probably sews together a dozen or more very expensive kits. I mean, they, they do not go small on their stuff and their stuff is huge. And you saw it. It's, it's just Mm -hmm. a massive kit, right? But they made sure that the Ghidorah they represent has the rainbow wings, which to me is always like so cool. And I haven't seen this in person yet because I have not been at a model convention with them uh, since they finished this piece. But having seen other of their pieces, I know it's going to be outstanding but I just can't wait to see it up in person to see all the little details that you can't see in pictures. But the idea that the wings were, that were rainbow colored to me, I know it's quote unquote rainbow colors, but they always seem to me to be, I always took it to be like red, white, and blue, you know what I'm mm. saying? Like kind of thing where it's like, I understand Ghidorah is supposed to be China, but look what color my wings. Like, you know, it's like a little more on the nose there. Obviously the, the, the lightning gravity rays he shoots, you know, was actually changed. Uh, That was later added. He originally, they thought he was going to have him breathing fire, which Mm. would tie more into obviously uh, depending on what mythology, you know, books you're reading about, you know, Hydra or Orochi and whatever kind of thing Mm -hmm. about breathing their fire. And that obviously the gold body was not there. There are some promotional shots that were put out where the body's not gold. Mm-hmm. And they still exist and people still have you know seen it. And it, it kind of is shocking to people. Think like, oh, that's wrong, because your mind knows Ghidorah is supposed to be gold. Mm-hmm. Right? So when you see him not gold, you're like, but but he's supposed to be gold.
1: Like, so even though
5: the gold was later the
1: change. Mm-hmm. So yeah, here's the other one that I found. This comes from Peter H. Brothers from his book. He says that. It came from the inspiration for Gore came from a 1956 Russian film called. When it was released in the U.S. anyway in 1960, it was called "The Sword and the Dragon." You guys ever heard of that? Oh, yeah.
3: we've seen that movie. I know
1: the sword You've and the seen dragon. it because no. oh. the dragon
3: has a big two-headed.
1: Yeah, because I, I haven't seen it, right? it. I haven't seen it, so maybe oh, you you're can help me out. With this it, it's the Gorinich.
5: Yes. Yeah, that's what the dragon at the end is called. I'm pretty. Oh, familiar. so
1: it's at at the end of the movie because he didn't offer any details about it other than the title and when and And that dragon breeds fire Mm. yes
5: and i think it catches on fire if i remember correctly the puppet might. yeah i think it does i'm I'm not sorry oh sorry sorry spoiler alert the (laughs) puppet the puppet might catch on fire at the end of that movie and you're saying but (laughs) jay it's the magic sword yeah
3: well well the sword and the dragon is that the
5: same as the the magic sword
3: is it uh, no really? I might
5: be wrong. I
1: might no, be wrong. No, not, be wrong. no wait,
3: wait. wait. No, I was just not. saying the, sword, the magic sword no, the of magic MST3K sword. fame? No, 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 no. No, it's not. That's that's what I'm saying. The, the so I do know the sword and the dragon, but I only know it for that dragon at the end. Because that's one that I've seen in you know pictures of in, in you know books and stuff when we were, you know, that kind of thing. So if I'm thinking of the right one. Yeah, I'm, Short, no, I'm, I'm I'm thinking of something different because I'm looking at the picture now and it's like there there's a there is one from the 60s that has a two headed dragon. This is a little bit different than this thing. Oh,
4: yeah, I, so I in just in uh, any, in I any event,
3: correct. I mean, there's the thing is is that and you know Jay talked so about this on about? Bugs Bugs and Babes when him and my dad covered the, the goal. Uh, uh, excuse me, Jason the Argonauts. Right. Oh my, hang on. Is Sorry, Luke, hang one second. I'm are, looking at
5: a picture of this thing. It's not yeah. the movie we we're thinking of.
3: No, good it's not. gravy.
5: Check out that if you get a chance to look at this, ladies and gentlemen. If you go look up this picture from this movie, it is definitely not the picture that that what I'm thinking because the sword and the dragon, the dragon in this thing, it doesn't breathe. Well, it's it's I can't me- I I think I feel like I've seen this because that dragon looks familiar, but
3: it is not the movie I originally thought. Well, yeah, well the sword the sword and the dragon was on Misty. Uh, yeah, I just season, looked it yeah. up right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but I was thinking
5: yeah. I probably was thinking more yeah. of uh, the magic sword yeah yeah yeah. i I remember that i remember that
1: one very vividly yeah and it was re-edited by roger corman or released in 1960 like i said i didn't know about roger corman until i just looked this up actually yeah yeah Yeah, but in russia it's called Ilya buramets Ilya buramets
3: yeah i mean you're that that's a lot of supposition that that movie was seen in japan and influenced that much you know because the thing is is that multi-headed dragons Yep. appear in all sorts of mythologies, right? Oh, yeah. You know, the Hydra and Yamato no Orochi just being just two of them. But even in other pantheons of of mythology, we do get that. So I think the idea of going in that direction, it's, it's one of those shared developments, right? There's a multitudes of things that build onto that to say we have to have a multi-headed uh, monster. And the idea of having essentially, you know, Marvel's The Avengers, you know, decades before it happens... Yes. Right. It's yes. like, you know, Kev- Kevin Faze, you hack the, you know, to have all, <laughs> them, all of them team up to fight the three monsters, team up to fight the three headed monster. It just makes sense, right? If King Ghidorah comes mm-hmm. out and he's big and huge, he's got one head, it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But with three heads, now it's like three on three, right? Mm-hmm. It, as George Lucas would say, that rhymes. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's a, and, and again, I'm, I'm with Jay, you know, that, that original color scheme is when you first read about that and you see that you're like really they were going to go with that multicolored scheme it's so unusual because you're so used to seeing king Ghidorah in that fairly mm-hmm. monochromatic gold but mm-hmm. it's like he almost it almost makes me think of i i don't like almost like an ultraman monster a little bit you know an yep. ultra monster a little bit more colorful yeah but would he have been as popular in that color scheme and not in the you know? I don't want to say basic, but the, the monochromatic style gold gives him a very sort of menacing look, right? He doesn't... It does. The, the, his, his design is the complex part, not his coloring.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, Ghidorah is by far the wildest of the Showa era monsters in the 60s. You know, this is before the 70s where the Ultraman influence is really being felt and then it really gets wild.
3: Yeah. And even, and even then though, you know, the thing is is that compared to especially the space monsters, right? The other space monsters, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, okay, even taking it to like Gigan, Mechagodzilla, you know, I don't know that they're as out there as a concept because they're more humanoid, you know,
4: mm-hmm.
3: even as mm-hmm. even Gigan as the cyborg space dinosaur, He's humanoid, ultimately,
1: right? <laughs> or, or penguin, or chicken, depending on who you talk right. to.
3: Right, but he, you know, but he's
1: got he's got one head, two arms, two
3: legs, one tail. Yeah, three wings. Okay, the three wings are a little goofy, but King Ghidorah, no, nothing has the silhouette of King Ghidorah except derivations of King Ghidorah, right? Yeah. So nothing, nothing yeah, I is wish quite there like have that. there been many, when, <laughs> of course, and, and just, you know, and when Godzilla shows up in a pop culture reference. Usually, he's fighting King Ghidorah, right? I'm thinking yep. immediately of Pee Wee's mm-hmm. Big Adventure, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. When Pee Wee's riding through the studio, and once he rides through, because Tim Burton loves Godzilla, rides through the mock set of them filming Godzilla and King Ghidorah. When it was decided in the Heisei period that we have to bring back an enemy, it was all there was no choice. It had to be King Ghidorah to the point that yeah, they, they were going to bring yeah. a second King Ghidorah back in 92, mm-hmm. you know? And then, and Nathan, Which, you and I talked about it on Earth Destruction Directive. When Hedra came out and Tomoyuki Tanaka said, what the Sam Hill is this? You know? <laughs> and he said, no, next movie's called The Return of King Ghidorah. Right? So they, they knew <laughs> yeah. what, what side. It's like bad guy, King Ghidorah, you know? So, and he, and, and he's all, yeah. he works so well in that role. He always has. And he always will, you know? So it's mm-hmm. here, it's like it, he's so fully formed right here. You know, he's pretty much the same mm-hmm. dude here as he's always going to be.
1: Yeah. Well, and what makes it, it interesting here is that this is the only time in the Showa era where he's not at the beck and call of someone else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you he can hear he is there out under his own fruition you know, yeah. because he wants to be there. It's very Lovecraftian in, a, in some ways. In fact, when I first watched this movie in the Japanese, I'm like, I get a little bit of uh, Lovecraftian dread here with Mm -hmm. this, with how Salno is talking about him.
3: Yeah, and the the UFO head talks about that there's different dimensions that we can't see and that um, (laughs) Salno survived by falling through a hole in a dimension.
1: Oh, man, that scene is kind of funny because it just comes out of nowhere and then it just stops after about 30 seconds you also it's like get a family the, in, guy segment you know it just like the, pops up
3: yeah in the original japanese it plays more like the fact that this guy really is kind of nuts you know when the yeah. dub you kind of take him a little bit more seriously but in the in the in the japanese you're like yeah, yeah. this guy no
4: no you
3: know? he yeah. looks like
1: he belongs yeah. on, he looks like he belongs on coast to coast am <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um
5: so this this and i i, I don't one of the you know derail things let's just mention this so luke and i have, have talked about in the past the idea of the big bad right oh yeah and the reality is this as much as people may love guy and mate love you know this guy or that guy or Titanosaurus, who is completely doesn't <laughs> get enough love
1: well, he definitely doesn't he doesn't he's my favorite yeah, yeah. i'm so, still mad at you danny because you've got a free hundred dollar titanosaurus figure anyway
5: <sighs> anyway, so the reality is that if you think about who is the big bad in the Godzilla universe, there's two schools of thought. One school of thought that it's King Ghidorah because King Ghidorah is the big bad. I mean, he's bigger than everybody. They fought him so many times. He's come back. There's been a Mecha King Ghidorah, whatever.
4: Mm-hmm. Then
5: the other school of thought that it's Mecha Godzilla because Mecha Godzilla is like, you know, I mean, how many films feature Mecha Godzilla? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's so funny to think that they're kind of, it, it's, it's like you have two different main, you know, bad guys in this series and you can't point to one to be like mm-hmm. the guy, like in James, in the, in, we mentioned James Bond already in the James Bond series, Blofeld is, you know, he's the main bad guy. Like, you know, it's right. Spectre, it's Blofeld, it's whatever. It's all part of that thing. Whether it might be the you know, it might be, you know, Goldfinger at this point, or it might be Dr. No, it might be whoever. Right. But it's ultimately it's Spectre and Blofeld at the leader of Spectre and all that stuff. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you kind of know who the bad guy is, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in, in a, in a Godzilla movie or Godzilla in in the franchise, the bad guy, you know, if some people I'm sure, you know, are saying like, no, 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 Jay, the, the bad guy, it's gotta be Ghidorah, Like he's literally the, the guy, the monster, he's the big bad. And maybe it's Mechagodzilla. And then isn't it kind of funny that eventually at some point they said, Hey, what if we put them together and (laughs) then make a King Ghidorah and everyone's like, and the healing shows up. I've tried
3: again. I, I have the brain is not what it used to be, but like, I mean, he shows up for a couple of minutes at the end of 91,
4: Mm -hmm. you know,
5: and there was not that giant hue and cry like, Oh my God, we want more. Right. I mean, it's cool but it wasn't like we need to somehow bring Mecha
3: King Ghidorah back. Right. You Mm know, part of that is that one of, one of the things, the strengths of King Ghidorah as a character is that in the Showa era, he's never defeated on his own. Yep. Right. He's he's always got to be taken out by either by a team of some kind. Obviously this is the tops in destroy all monsters when it's the whole crew of earth monsters, right? Mm
4: -hmm. In
3: King Ghidorah in the Heisei period, not only is he defeated by Godzilla, he's kind of embarrassed a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, he gets he yep. gets the smackdown laid on him, right? I mean, he gets his head blown off, he gets holes blown in his wings. He he is defeated. I mean, in one way, it's like the the perfect explanation of the Heisei period, right? Cuz in the Heisei period Godzilla's the big bad, you know? He's the only yeah. big bad until Destoroyah shows up basically. You know, Mm -hmm. but I mean, one could argue for space Godzilla too, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to sidetrack. So so when he comes back as, as Mecha King Ghidorah, it's because he got beaten so badly, you know, whereas Showa King Ghidorah, nobody's blowing his head off. Literally, you know, he's the one that's like, that's no selling stuff. He's the one that's like, oh, that's nice. You want to, you want to come Mm -hmm. at me? How many of you, you got, you know, Mm -hmm. he's, he's the monster heel. Literally. You yep. know, that how are you going to beat this guy? You know, so I, th- I always mm-hmm. thought that was part of it, that he that as, as much affection as there is for uh, uh overs King Ghidorah from 91, that that I think that's always kind of stuck a little bit with the King Ghidorah fans, that he mm-hmm. really does get get punked out in that movie one on one when he mm-hmm. was, you know, a, a extinction level threat in the in the, the, the
1: show of films. I think the issue that we're dealing with here is that it's kind of a, the same thing you always run into with comic book villains. The most powerful villain a hero has isn't necessarily the arch nemesis. You know, yeah. Let's be honest. We all know the Joker is Batman's arch nemesis, but compared to the likes of, say, Bane or Ra's al Ghul, uh, nowhere yeah. close in terms of power level. Superman. His arch nemesis is Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor is a mere mortal. Okay, there are villains that Superman fights that are infinitely more powerful, but that's not the point. <laughs> the issue that we're looking at here is not power levels necessarily. It's are they the antithesis of the hero? Yeah, yeah. I think that's what we're what we're looking at.
5: Part of what I was thinking, like, and 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 that's what I was, you know, kind of the idea of like you have Ghidorah. He is the guy. I mean, he is the main villain. I mean, because Mecha Godzilla is torn apart, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing in in those movies. But then Mecha Godzilla is is he in two
3: different of the Haysei? I'm trying to no. Remember. He's in so he's no. He's in only one. one. He's in one Heisei film, but then he comes back in the Millennium films as well. Millennium
5: film. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Oh right, yeah. Right, right. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. But the thing is, like, so if you're saying is okay, we have the biggest bad. And the biggest bet, again, you know, you can think whoever the top guy is, and if you know King Ghidorah definitely fits that bill to have Godzilla soundly beat him, right? Because you have Godzilla's already now beaten Biolante, right? And Biolante, you know, I mean, she looks like you know, I mean, she's still to this day, <laughs> people are blown away by her design. Right Mm -hmm. to think about that, he 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 beats Mechagodzilla. He beats now. He's beaten. He's beaten Ghidorah. And now, even if you take King Ghidorah and put him with Mechagodzilla as one thing, basically, right, he blows that apart. That's done too. I wonder if they're truly setting up the idea for Destroya. Like they're like, look, he's torn through. When okay, so when you want to make a a monster heel, you smash the monster heel over everyone. Right, he doesn't lose. He smashes over everyone, and then what happens is, if you really want to make him, you have him kind of beat down who your 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 baby face is, but not to the, to the point where the baby face is you know completely discredited, and then that baby face makes the comeback on him, and that makes the fans pop more. That's kind of the idea, is right? Like King Ghidorah in in the in the the sixties, you know, was the guy, and people remembered that. And then now we want to, but we want to make Destroyer the god. Like Destroyer is it? This is extinction level.
4: Mm-hmm. And
5: as you look at those movies, the bad guy, quote unquote, in each one of them, they kind of ramp up movie after movie. Yeah, right. Yep. Like Space mm-hmm. Godzilla is outstanding. Nothing
3: compared to Destroyer though, because and, and like his power and what Destroyer can do. You know what right. I'm saying? And that. Yeah, well, totally, because that, yeah. that's part of the theme with the Heisei films was that Godzilla just kept getting more and more powerful, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. everyone that he would defeat, he would absorb energy from and he would yeah. get bigger. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. it, it became a natural progression that there's only, you know, again, you don't, you don't need a degree in, in nuclear physics to understand that, yeah, if you keep pushing a nuclear reaction, at some point something bad's going to happen, right? And so yep. you had mm-hmm. to get that ultimate monster heel. That was had yeah. to come in and that, like, how do you stop this guy? He's literally made of the th- one thing that can kill him. Yeah. Right.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So, which is again, absolutely on point. That's, that's how you, cause you can't, you, you got to You're You're ending the territory. Right. So you got to go out with mm-hmm. a bang type of situation. Right. But, mm-hmm. and, and the thing is, again, mm-hmm. all that stuff traces back here, because if you, yep. if you don't have Godzilla take the face turn here. Yeah,
1: that's one that's of the, the biggest b- things that happens in this. This yep, is the face yeah. turn. With, this without that's,
3: that, that's what I was saying. Without this, you can't have the rest of the series, yep. because before this, Godzilla was mm-hmm. a heavy, right? And yep. so was Rodan. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rodan had only appeared one time, but Rodan was clearly a villain. I mean, everyone is clearly afraid when Rodan comes out at Mount Asso, as you know, because it's like I mean, it was only it was wasn't even ten years prior that. You know the Rodan's had torn apart the entire country. Yeah, right? if you're going yeah. by. For,
4: now he for,
1: looks a little goofier in this, but
3: he does. You know.
4: But to <laughs> me,
1: this this I love this Rodan so
3: much. I really do love <laughs> the the '64 Rodan because that that's you know that that that's, that's babyface Rodan. But, but you know the the idea of taking those guys and, and making them into 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 baby faces, so that you can now. It, it ties in with with what Toho was already seeing that hey, if we give the monsters identifiable personalities and we give mm-hmm. them character, we can market them. Not only can we market them to hey, come bu- come buy a ticket to our movie, we can market them as you can buy this vinyl, you can buy this this model kit, you know. Mm-hmm. So the and making them heroes pushes that even farther, especially in Japan, where traditionally speaking, villains never sold as well to kids. If you look at this, this is extremely true. If you look at like Transformers, look at Transformers in the 80s, the late 80s, when the the U.S. and the Japanese lines sort of split from each other a little bit and you get Mm -hmm. the Headmasters and Master Force and Victory, there are a lot more Cybertrons than Destrons in those lines to the point that by zone, there's like a handful of Destrons and a whole army of Cybertrons. Right? They, they, bad guys just did not sell as well to Japanese kids, you know, for whatever reason, whatever, whatever the, the market was. So having them as heroes and having them, you know, facing more and more villains and having them soundly defeat the villains was good for the series. It made sense. It didn't necessarily yeah. work that way once we got in the eighties and nineties, but here in the Showa period, yeah. you had to have that. Right. And that is the driving force, not only for, like I said, for the Godzilla films, but, you know, King Kong Escapes falls into that, Frankenstein Conquers yep. the World falls into that. Um, War of the Gargantuas, not so much Space Amoeba, but you know, a lot of the yeah. other movies do fall into that sort of, you know, good guy monster, bad guy monster scenario. And it it mm-hmm. was it was brilliant from that because then Gamera does the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's like that it it becomes a defining trait of Daikaiju. And without Godzilla making that face turn, I don't know that we're still have this series, right? Because Mothra is popular. Can Mothra carry a franchise the way Godzilla can?
1: Yeah, I don't think that the series could have continued uh, doing what it had been doing for four movies, and even King Kong versus Godzilla got into this. There's some anthropomorphisms in that, but it was meant to be a satire and a very effective satire, a- a- as I discussed with Alyssa Goji Geek a few episodes ago. So, but you you just you can't maintain a series with that sort of you know, dark, apocalyptic tone through you know, constantly throughout. Mothra versus Godzilla was really the peak of doing that. And, you know, after the original, anyway. So it just wouldn't have worked. Plus, I actually got some... This was some interesting things I learned from Khaled doing my research. He actually talked about... I can't remember who he was referencing, but he brought up how this turn that Godzilla and the series make is actually, you know, parallels what was going on in Japan as a culture at the time. Cause he said that when you see an increase in camp, you know, campy storytelling, it's always at a time when there is huge economic growth in a society, but the, but culturally speaking, you know, the, it hasn't caught up yet. Hmm. Does that make sense? So it's, yep, uh, so yeah, it's, could, there's more indulgence going on yeah i was gonna say it, it's more of
3: that you know there there's more disposable income right so that type of entertainment plays better you know everybody's when when people are are generally working and happy right can't mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense you know if nobody necessarily wants farce yeah when things yeah. are bad right, right.
1: yeah you cultural sickness sophistic- yeah Cultural yeah. sophistication hasn't caught up yet. That was how he phrased it.
3: Yeah. yeah, and when, but when, when things are not so great, that's when we get more cynical entertainment, like we see mm-hmm. in some of the some of the later Showa films, right? Mm-hmm. We see some of the cynicism of the 70s start creeping into that because of the economic downturn in Japan,
1: mm-hmm. right? Now it was a small economic downturn, but it wasn't a downturn. They weren't growing as fast. Yeah, it the, wasn't. the collapse we didn't, we didn't, didn't happen until the '90s. That's what I was
3: going to say. Yeah, the lost decade. We're still a little bit away from that, but mm-hmm. I think that it wasn't necessarily a dead downturn, but we were seeing a downturn in the film industry. That was part oh of yeah it. for sure. And also, I think we were seeing, and we talked about this. Um, I think we talked about this, or I talked about this when we did uh, All Monsters Attack. That you know you're seeing now the results, and Jay and I talked about this with Hedra. That's where I'm getting at. You're seeing the results, and you and I talked about this with Geigen. See, it's all it all it goes straight to the top. Yeah, here. with
1: Geigen as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: That that you're seeing the results of that economic growth, right? Mm-hmm. The the post war boom. Now we're seeing the ecological impacts of that, right? Mm-hmm. And that that was part of that. Now we again. Now we're all over the place here because that that's what happens when when you get us on a show. But yes, <laughs> you know, here we're not there yet, right? It's to me 1964, 1965, golden age of Godzilla, because. Yeah. The two, the two sequels that always jockey back and forth for me as the best sequels are Ghidorah and Monster Zero, right? Mm-hmm. And so you that ties into everything we talked about. King Ghidorah is the big bad, right? Mm-hmm. This, mm-hmm. this is Godzilla as a hero at the peak of his, you know, he's a hero. But remember, he's also the guy that he's the biggest, baddest monster on the planet. So maybe he's a hero, but maybe he's a little on the edge, right? You know, mm-hmm.
5: like, right, 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 right.
3: So, yeah. and, and, you know, he's got, got Rodan as his sidekick, you
1: know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and like a, uh, like I said, Khaled had some interesting thoughts about that. He actually argued that Godzilla shifting between hero and villain, he actually said it was indicative of Japan itself. Hold on, let me explain. He said both <laughs> act in defense of their territory, but depending on who they're defending it against, I can determine if they're, quote unquote, the hero or the villain. Hmm.
5: Yeah. yeah. Wow.
3: Yeah. And, and, and context you know, is King, right? Context.
1: Is yeah. King. Context
3: is definitely King. <laughs> and, and you know, we talked about this, Nathan, when we did battle in outer space, you know, mm-hmm. so much of this, I mean, it's dealing with the international aspect and Japan wanting mm-hmm. to be seen as a good citizen on the international stage. We see that in the diet when I don't know if, if it's a Senator or, but the guy is grilling the prime minister is like, well, what are you going to do about the fact that Godzilla and Rodan are loose on the countryside? And the defense minister gives a very diplomatic answer
4: mm-hmm. about
3: our defense forces are closely monitoring the situation. And then they ask about King Ghidorah. And then the response is, well, we're in con- we're in touch with our international allies and we are all strongly monitoring this situation. <laughs> uh, which I, I love that he get, he tells them absolutely nothing. He says yeah. he does the perfect. Yeah. It's like Shin Godzilla looked at this scene and said, "I can make a movie out of that." <laughs> yes, <exactly.
1: laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> and well, and what's even more interesting is that this is actually the first Godzilla film where we don't see a military presence on here. Yeah. They don't respond to Ghidorah. No, yeah, yeah we see the defense minister. They talk about it, but there's no military engagement with Ghidorah. Yeah.
5: Not There's at no all. no JSDF or any kind of military vehicles nothing which is crazy to think about it cuz like you when you think about this era Godzilla movie you think of like where's the ray guns where's the you know where are <laughs> yeah. the the maser cannons where are the guys, you know like do you have a ray the, gun or something i don't know it Yeah the maser through. cannons yeah 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 Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh yeah it's it's build it's, the effing thing Yeah <laughs> 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 do you have a ray gun uh, but it's, it's kind of funny that if you think about that, like it's okay. How to explain this? You have to somehow beat the big bad at the end of this film, right? You can't have, God, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Godzilla and all them lose and Ghidorah destroys the world. Cause let's face it. This isn't the end of, you know, this isn't the end of, uh, how the, how the, um, when the earth stood still, when literally mm-hmm. can destroy the world. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert uh you know kind of thing
1: so uh spoiler the, alert for a 70 yeah. year old movie you know 60
5: yeah. yeah i have to do it all the time it's I, getting I, up I, to
1: 70 yeah, no it I, is 70 at this point 70 actually. yeah
5: yeah i'm saying i have to do it all the time like i was like oh sorry if you haven't seen the spoiler alert like that movie is like older than you i'm like i know but some people haven't seen things you know it's like <laughs> you know it's like uh, i i don't want to give away the ending but uh they shoot the they shoot old yeller oh sorry spoiler yeah. alert uh <laughs> you know they have to do it anyway so The whole point is, so you have to somehow put down the big bad, but at the end of the day, you can't have your monster heel just lose, right? He can't lose one-on-one. He can't lose and get torn apart. He can't lose, like he can't lose in certain ways. You can lose in ways that save all your heat, right? So I'm going to just kind of, I know I'm going to go a little far afield, but just stay with me for a second. Luke knows exactly where I'm going. I guarantee you. So there was a a heel in the 1980s known as Rowdy Roddy Piper, right? Mm -hmm. The hot rod. And guess what the hot rod never did? He never lost by pinfall. Yes, he lost, Jay. I remember when he lost. You're wrong. Think again. Disqualification, Mm -hmm. count out. Those are fine, but he never let his shoulders be put to the mat. Why? Because Roddy knew one thing. The second his shoulders hit the mat and Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, JYD, whoever pinned him, he lost his heat. So to keep your heat, you always could lose, but you lost you know, by count out. Oh, we almost had him. Oh, and, and he wasn't the heel champion. So this isn't like the NWA where Flair would get himself disqualified and the hometown here just missed. You kept your heat that way. Ghidorah. And and again, you're thinking like, well, Jay, that's the eighties. You think it was different in the sixties? You think it was different in the fifties? You think it was different in the thirties? You think Toots Mont and the, and the the goldless trio was any different with Ed Strangler Lewis? I'm going old school. Yeah right? <laughs> Do you think it was any different? No, you had to keep your heat. It works in kaiju movies. It works in pro wrestling. It works in anything where there's a good guy and a bad guy, right? If you literally, I don't care what series of movies it is. James Bond movies are a perfect example. Bond's going to win at the end. He always wins at the end, but somehow the bigger bad specter goes on, right? Isn't that the whole mm-hmm. point? Isn't that what we're now seeing? I mean, Luke and I have been talking about the newer James Bond movies because I finally got tired of waiting for my wife to watch them with me, and I just watched them all one day.
4: Yeah. Isn't
5: that the idea of the whole Roger Craig, uh, Roger Craig, Roger Craig, the running back for the uh, 49ers <laughs> in the 80s? <laughs> the
1: Daniel Craig. Uh, remember when he was a super spy? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, he just the <laughs> wait, up wait, back. wait, wait. He apparently he learned nothing from Shaquille O'Neal trying to be a superhero. Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> or a genie for that matter. Uh, ka- Shazam.
5: So anyway, it's because <laughs> it was, Kazam. I know it was Kazam, Kazam, but it was funnier saying Shazam, you know, like, uh-huh. I'm, I'm, Gomer, like I'm Gomer Pyle, uh-huh. but like, that's the idea. Like, is it, isn't that really what we got? with the Daniel Craig movies, like with Skyfall and like Spectre and all, Mm -hmm. like the whole point is we got to get to the end of this. Like at some point, the bigger bad has to be, it can't just be a guy. Ghidorah isn't able to be put down by Godzilla, Rodan, or Mothra for that matter. No one of them can beat him together. They work as a unit to defeat him. But they mm-hmm. don't really beat him. He kind of just leaves. He's, He's like, all right. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. but but isn't that losing by count out? Isn't yeah. that getting yourself Basically. disqualified? He didn't lose his heat. He's like, all right, I'm cool. I'm cool. All right. All right. Obviously, you all have stuff you need to work out with me. I'm done. I'm out. So yeah. powder out. Right. But if you powder out of the ring and you're done, you do whatever. But isn't that so? indicative of what we then get in, not to not that we want to talk about Monster Zero, but like, to me, these two movies are always literally, I wish I could say that I remembered them both very clearly and I do remember them when I start watching them, but if I was, if I haven't seen these movies in a while and you asked me to describe Monster Zero, you might get some of Ghidorah thrown into it and then yeah. vice versa. I know one is aliens and one's not aliens, but the battles and stuff, they might kind of blend a little. Right, and that's mm-hmm. just because I'm old. And let's be honest, like they are those movies share similar. Some of the fight scenes share some similar themes to them.
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. the well, idea- and that's also
3: that's also the no prize. Yeah, the famous no prize is that. Oh well, the Exians sent Ghidorah to Venus and then sent him to Earth. Yeah, right. And yeah. so that he so that right. that's that's kind of the hand wave is that. Oh, he's been working for the Exians this whole time. Right. You know, I don't know that I believe that because there's no indication that he's being controlled at all. Right. He kind of just does mm-hmm. what he wants, but you know, it's, if, if you want to go that way, I'm not big on fan theories, but you can totally go that way too. The exians though, do have
5: their uniform technology far ahead of ours. Oh, love it. Technology. Love it. Jump mm-hmm. to technology there. They look like a unit. We're going to be going to other planets. We're going to wear the suit
3: with the boots. We're all good. Right. Good. Yep. Just yep. saying so <laughs> the, Myster- the mysterians were doing that and the Exians looked at the mysterians and said we can totally do better than that that's right <laughs> so, like, we're gonna really be really gonna be together. yeah
1: so I, I i can see uh <laughs> jimmy over in the producer booth getting a little hot under the collar over there he has a thing for miss namikawa i was gonna huh. say
3: everybody loves miss namikawa Watch out, yeah. Neil Adams to come back. <laughs>
1: or Nick Adams
3: to be on well. Nick and Adams. No. Neil Adams. Neil Adams. The, uh, he's Neil the Adams. The God rest his soul, Neil Adams. Yeah. Well, you know the funny thing about that, we talk about Miss Namikawa and how just absolutely memorable and elegant and beautiful Kumi Mizuno is as Miss Namikawa in that film, right? As a girl from Planet X. Mm-hmm. Let's turn it back here. Akiko Wakabayashi, when oh my she God. is the princess, I mean, she is so glamorous. She looks so beautiful when she's all dressed mm-hmm. up in, in the jewels and everything. But then when you see her as the prophetess, and there's a great story here that evidently that costume with the big page boy hat and, you know, wearing the men's clothes and stuff, that was apparently an inspiration that happened to Honda. Because the reason that she's dressed that way is supposedly Wakabayashi was walking into the studio one day wearing just like jeans and a a big, you know, a a page boy hat. That was like her personal Mm -hmm. look. And he's like, he loved it. So that look, that very, and even the guy even says, oh, are you a man or a woman? You know, that that, (laughs) And then ask for a strip show. Strip show. (laughs) Notably, that line didn't make the dub. You notice that. I don't know Why? Yeah, <laughs> but that even that in sort of androgynous not even androgynous like kind of sexless look for her it's mm-hmm. so it's so different than what she because then again we see her as the princess at the end and she looks she looks like the japanese breakfast at tiffany's you know she looks beautiful yeah
1: oh yeah well and actually that whole bit according to several of the sources i looked at was inspired by roman holiday
3: yeah sure. i can totally totally yeah. see it with with, uh, with, ha-
1: with Catherine hepburn and yeah. you know this you know, royalty Changing her appearance slightly, and then being able to blend into a crowd, and nobody is the wiser.
5: Yeah. And and yeah. that that whole look with the the hat and the the you know the pageboy hat and whatever inspired newsies, which you know we yeah. all can
3: love. Yeah. yeah. So sorry, just the shot. The at one newsies. thing I, the one, yeah. thing I wanna, one thing I do just want to, one thing I do just want to add real quick. Uh, we haven't. He, he's not a major player, but talking about the princess getting the the hat and the the men's clothes. Okay. She gets him from the fisherman who is not named. Okay. Played by Ikio Sawamura. Okay. He's appeared in plenty of different Toho films over the years. He always mm-hmm. has a small role. He never plays somebody big. Okay. Jay and I, again, just recently covered this. He is Dr. Mafune's butler in Terror of Mechagodzilla. Right. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: He is the greatest Japanese acting wormy guy of all time.
4: this little wormy guy scene here
3: with oh that's her hey that's her too you know i i've always loved the little wormy guy fisherman in this and he's brilliant he's only on screen for about four minutes you know but he's and that's her you know it's like i didn't steal it i traded it you know it's like (laughs) i i love the wormy guy so hats off to yeah, Ikio Salamura for a very, very memorable little appearance here as the Warby fish. Yeah, guy.
1: well, I mean that that just speaks, I think, to the caliber of actors that Toho had in their stable under contract. There, I mean, even the bit players are memorable. I, I love the guy, and I wish I could remember his name. He was in King Kong versus Godzilla as well as the interpreter, and oh <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the guy Don that goes Knotts, and gets the. Uh, it's the yeah hat. he goes, yeah, and goes it, to get the hat yeah he is so Don knots he's got like the Don knots face and he does the Don knots expressions yeah. but he's
5: <laughs> my favorite wormy guy of all these movies
4: like he is
1: he is the the
5: wormy guy like and there's oh, wait it's like you know especially well King kong versus Godzilla he is he his his face like can bend when he like what? you know you, like uh-huh. you can you can he doesn't have to make a sound you can kind of hear the like the bending of his face and he's like Looking at like, what are you talking about? You know, whatever, you know, kind of thing. So I just want to mention one thing, though. Our assassin, I totally blanked on his name now.
1: uh, (laughs) Malmus,
5: Yes. So he never takes his sunglasses off. So very much, you know, uh, wears his sunglasses at night.
1: Yeah, I wear my sunglasses at night. Yeah. But (laughs) that, which also explains why he's such a lousy sniper.
5: Well, that was I going to say. (laughs) So he hits nothing. He, yes. he, I, I, I feel like it's, it's the line at a predator. We hit nothing. Like literally, <laughs> yeah. the only person who's a worse shot than him is the brother cop. He hits hit yeah. Nothing. Like yeah. he should have just thrown the gun. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you, his best bet was to like, maybe like get a bucket of water and throw it and maybe they'll slip. Like he, he did. Nothing, nothing. He, he steps in the way there at the end, to like take the bullet and the guy can't even shoot him. He wings him and just kill him. No, <laughs> no, no. We can't have that. But, and and this, the funny part is I watched this movie with my wife and I can honestly say my wife has probably never seen this movie and she definitely never seen it in Japanese and she's watching it and she goes, why can no one shoot anybody <laughs> now for my wife to look up from her phone for long enough to actually notice that no one has shot anybody is an accomplishment one and two. She's right. No one can <laughs> shoot anybody in this movie. And you're saying Jay, yeah. it's a kids movie. They're not supposed to be murdering people. Look, every <laughs> single kid in Japan is like, "Come on, dude, come on." And you're saying, "But Jay, that inspiration right there was taken by George Lucas yeah. and was <laughs> bestowed upon the stormtroopers because they couldn't hit the broadside of a barn." even stormtroopers are looking at us going come on man i feel like come on come on you know joe biden (laughs) come on
3: man but uh, oh no
5: no 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 i was doing i was doing what do you call i was doing uh oh what's his name from nfl live come on man you know kind of thing (laughs) not you got moss that's different i'm just saying and and not throwing out pancakes but it's just true though like the cop can't shoot anybody and i understand why i get it i get it it's not that kind of movie but the assassins are the worst assassins no. ever like is it the <laughs> no. apple dumpling gang come into town like I would <laughs> feel better with the apple dumpling gang yeah. because <laughs> oh, sorry. For those who haven't seen Apple Dumpling Gang, it's a movie and there's a sequel, and they're not very good at killing people there either. But it's Disney, so get over yourself. It's Yeah, it's a uh, Disney
1: comedy with Don yeah. Knotts. You, and you can't oh, really do and, that. And, and, um, Don Knotts! <laughs>
5: I've been staring at you through the window. <laughs> it's like the ghost of Mr. Chicken. Anyway, <laughs> or, or the uh, shakiest yeah. gun in the West. In the West. Yeah, the um, ghost of Mr. The, Chicken. The thing is, is that, you know,
3: yeah, I mean, Malmas, played by Isaiah Ito. Okay, another another Toho yeah. player, appeared in a lot of different stuff.
1: He was almost Yoshio Shuchiya. <laughs> yeah.
3: But the thing that I thought was funny is that, so he's he's not Japanese in this film. He's, right, right. he's from Seljina, right? So he's Seljinian, mm-hmm. or however you would say that. Okay. But he Sel-jine. behaves. <laughs> Seljine. <yeah>. He <laughs> behaves and looks exactly like a Yakuza. Yeah. And in the H-Man, yeah, he, he plays a Yakuza. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the thing with wearing the sunglasses all the time. It's like, it's supposed to be as, Oh, that's shorthand. Yeah. That he's a gangster, but he's not a gangster in this movie. He's
5: no. a political, he's a political uh, radical. And is that why he's such a bad shot though? I'm just throwing it out.
1: There. I am saying, I'm that's what gonna, I mean. Yeah. He's got I the mean, sunglasses. Although this is just on the heels of Dogra, which was heavily <laughs> influenced by Yakuza films. Yeah. Yes.
5: Well, I just feel like, you know, he, he decided to round up his Mean Street posse. And that they just could not, yeah. I just don't, I mean, I get it. Like maybe they're, like, they keep calling them assassins, assassins. I always feel like I want to have like the, you know, the the stuff from like Cypress there. Yeah. But like, you know, like especially when, when, when the fairies say, the fairies. they're not fairies. Right. Are they fairies, technically? Well, yeah. you can, it, some people
1: call them fairies, or you can call them shobajin That's the shobajin. official name. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, the
5: the the, the, t- the tiny little goddesses from the island there, right? The, like mm-hmm. Who are like, we're here to be on TV because dang, we famous, yo! When, <laughs> when they, like, assassins! And it's like, oh my god! And it's like, you've just been like, don't worry, they can't hit you. They're really bad. Like, they would have been better off just randomly throwing objects across the room.
3: Like well, just it's, it's like a, it's like a Warner Brothers gangster movie, right you fire yeah. every shot you have and then you throw the gun and usually yeah. you hit the guy with the gun you threw,
4: yeah or, or yeah or or it's
5: like or it's like police squad where they're firing literally next to each other, miss each other, and then throw the guns yes uh, yeah. and then trip over the, their own shoelaces or the banana peel
1: yeah, yeah well, I mean uh, as we see in this, he can't shoot, apparently he can't throw, but dang can he catch yeah yeah well, yeah, <laughs> I
3: always love him catching that boulder. Yeah, (laughs) because it's one of those things okay i got it oh no
5: (laughs) i can see my house from here i regret nothing
3: (laughs) (laughs) it's but you know the thing is as and i've seen i've seen some people absolutely dunk on that scene of him catching the boulder Mm -hmm. say what you will about that the way that that whole scene is scripted shot and edited to me is the best fight in the Godzilla series because like you said, it's that push and pull right between the human plot and the monster plot Mm -hmm. and all of it works so beautifully. And in fact, this is an odd case where that the, the American cut actually helps it a tiny bit because in the American version, the sounds of battle are cut into the soundtrack. So you hear Mm -hmm. Godzilla and Rodan and King Ghidorah's roars while they're down there, and then the music starts swelling up. So it's like we've already seen that, you know, the monsters aren't interested in what's going on, right? They don't care about the fact that humans are trying to evacuate and all that because we see Malmess's car get hit by the landslide and crushed and all the guys coming out all bloody and he manages to survive. So we already know that they don't care. We've seen that the monster plot has affected the human plot. But now it's like, okay, we've got both climaxes happening at the same time here. And mm-hmm. it I mean, again, say what you will about Malmes being a terrible shot. Shindo's got absolutely nothing he can do at that point. Malmes has him dead to rights. And it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. he's got him and the princess dead to rights here. But it's like, yeah, You didn't take your opportunity when you had a chance when she had her by herself in the room. Yep. You know, yeah. you could have killed yep. her because, you know, uh, no, fate and giant monsters work in mysterious ways.
1: Yeah, well, and weirdly enough, he doesn't just kidnap her when people come in. They he just they just all leave and she yeah. sits in the corner. And I think one of the sources I read said she was reading from a hotel bible. I'm like, I don't think that's a hotel bible. Oh, in, in, in the I was gonna say in, in the Japanese, Naoko picks it up
3: and it's it's a book about like mental neurosis and amnesia. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, okay, it's kind of setting up that maybe she is, you know, am- amnesiac.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, the argument could be made that I don't know. I toyed with this idea is like, could we actually read this movie as she wasn't really a Venusian or Martian, whichever you prefer, that this was all because she got hit in the head. So this was, you know, temporary insanity or whatnot. And I don't think we can say that definitively in this movie. There's too much stuff at the beginning. Too much paranormal X Filesy things going on at the beginning that I think you could take that reading, right? Yeah, but this is very fascinating world building that we got going on here. This is, although the numbers depending on the translation or even the subtitles, because I have the classic media and the Criterion disc in the film vault here, and they give different numbers. I saw as little as five thousand years ago and as many as fifty million. Years ago, when Ghidorah attacked Venus and then the Venusians or Mars, whatever, all came to Earth and mingled or, as they put it, assimilated with the humans. And then they lost most of their powers except for the precognitive. Yeah. So the implication seems to be that the. Alien DNA, because, you know, ancient aliens was a popular idea at the time. It goes all the way back to 1919, according to David Callot. And, you know, this is a couple years before Chariots of the Gods, which was the big book that really made it popular. Yep. And so, you know, the idea is that there's still some of that Venusian blood that is in certain populations of humans. And then they can unlock those precognitive abilities, which seems to be what we're dealing with here. Yeah. So it's, it, I,
3: I, I don't know. I, I kind of like that. It doesn't really explain it because to me, I always took it as that. She was possessed by the Venusian.
4: Mm -hmm. Right. I did as well.
3: Princess is the princess, but when the light appears to her and saves her, that the Venusian is now possessing her. And that's why she has the Venusian powers that she Mm -hmm. promptly loses. And she says that in the Japanese version, it's Mm -hmm. like, Oh, maybe I wonder if I'll ever regain these powers. Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so and, and, but, well, and, and that she has some memory but not all mm-hmm. of it she remembers shindo saving her life but she doesn't remember the details necessarily mm-hmm. yeah so that that always kind of said to me is like oh there's an external force that's controlling her
1: mm-hmm. yeah and, and, you know, and then it begs a lot of questions and i've heard, i read some sources that said that uh, these were quote-unquote problems with the script Stuart goldbraith even went so far as to say the rest of the movie doesn't look rushed but the script is rushed and i'm like I don't know if I agree with that, Mr. Galbraith and you know, saying like, well, why was she, why was the princess chosen and all of these sorts of things, asking all these questions. And I'm like, I don't think those are questions that one need to be asked and and two, even if they are asked, I don't know if they necessarily need to be answered. Right. They never came to my mind watching the movie at any of the times that I've seen it.
4: Yeah. I, I just went
1: with it.
3: They're mysteries and it's okay mm-hmm. for a film to have a mystery. Mm-hmm. I always, you know, and Jay knows where I'm going with this. I always mm-hmm. think of Halloween three. Yep. Right. A good magician never reveals his tricks,
4: <laughs>
3: you know? And it and it's purposely telling you, it's like, yeah, we're not going to tell you certain aspects of this story because why would we, you know? And it's kind of the same thing here. It's like, it's something mysterious. We never see the UFOs that they're supposedly seeing. We never get, you know, definitive proof that it is in fact. Of a Nucian race that's hiding, you know, been hiding on Earth for some period of time. We don't get mm-hmm. that till the next film, you know, when we definitely yeah. have a race of aliens that have definitely yeah. infiltrated in our, in our, and yeah. are, uh, you know, pretending to be humans. That and we'd see that again. We'd see that again several times. You yes. know, again, we talked about that with Geigen. With so, Geigen, yeah. So there's, you know, I, I like that it's a bit mysterious because it, it does touch on the idea of alien invasion. But mm-hmm. it's not quite the same way that it's done, and it, like I said, it has a little bit of that supernatural aspect to it, too. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I liked it. it it's it, 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 it touches on different things, and all of them really work for me. And that's yeah. why I've always been such a fan of this,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Because you and Jay were very fond of this growing up, that's why I had you on the show.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah.
5: So mm-hmm. if you think about something, just, just think about this for a second, though if you think about like U S availability of certain movies, we talk about this, Luke and I have talked about this before. Why is terror Mechagodzilla remembered, but Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla was not like it was, it depends on what was available, what was on television, what was like shown through, like it was how, like, what did you have available to you? Oftentimes became your favorite, your quote unquote favorite movies when you're a kid, Ghidorah and, and monster zero and Rodan and the, and, king of the monsters. Like those were ones we had available to us at all time that are, you know, just pop the movie in right to watch. And then other movies, like I can honestly say, I don't remember us ever owning smog monster or yep. like Godzilla vs. the thing, or like, I don't we, remember we those. Got
3: Godzilla vs. the thing much later, but like smog monster, we yeah, never had destroy yeah. all monsters was another one. Yep. We didn't have Gigan for a long time. Yep. I remember getting Destroy All Monsters and Smog Monster on boots at yeah. a little model show that we went to. I think in Danbury. Yep. Yep. And that was right around 1991 or so, 91, yeah. 92, because we were seeing just seeing some pictures of like the Godzilla Saurus and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. so that, there was a lot that just weren't as available, and this happened to be it was it was Godzilla King of the Monsters, and Ghidorah, Rodan, and Monster Zero. Those were the four big ones that we had available to us and watched over and over and over and over. Those four movies go together in that order because yes. that's the order they were on the tape. Yeah. You mm. know, and so even that, that's, that even was though it's not the right order. Always... To, uh... No, it's yeah. not the right order at all, but because, you know, yeah. but that, you know, it's funny people say, it's like, well, my introduction to Godzilla was, you know, was a later one. Our introduction was King of the monsters, right? Yeah. So we always knew Godzilla as a heavy yeah. who then became a hero. Right. And same with Rodan. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, so this was one that we did watch quite a lot. This one and Monster Zero, because mm-hmm. you know we both and we both have a lot of affection for the two solo films. But the, when you're a kid, sometimes you just want to watch the monster fights, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that that'd be the one that you you would go for, you know. And it was it it wasn't until later that we got some of the other ones. Like I remember eventually at one point we got King Kong Escapes, and it's like oh, oh God, King yeah. Kong Escapes. And there are certain people who have an outsized level <sighs> of affection for Mechanicon.
1: Who will go with name, <laughs> <Yep. but> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah he's uh he's over there in the producer booth right now yeah, yeah
3: so, uh, mechanic is one of those one of those guys that everybody loves Mechanicong. i, I remember right when now. that show used to air on cbs remember that yes. everyone loves Mechanicong. it was such yeah. a good show i don't know why they it.
1: oh, oh um, yeah yeah that was you know, heck
4: of show. And, and and if yeah. they
5: ever decide to make mechanic fight fights titanosaurus i'm definitely buying a ticket because that'd be my two favorites in one movie yeah <laughs> And it would be really cool today. if, if Gorosaurus just showed up for no reason, I'm like, "Hey, and it's like <laughs> oh, I'm just over here with my small arms." I'm uh, yeah. kind of
3: thing.
1: I've think, like, "How's it going, folks?" Don't, cool. they,
3: don't these monsters look great? Thanks for coming out. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah.
1: I think that's any given Friday night on Monster <laughs> Island. I'm just yeah. saying,
5: <laughs> yeah. but it's it's one of those things, though. As so, the movies that we were able to see more as as it again, it it depends on what your formative years are for what your so there's a school of thought, you know, that some people believe, you know, like, oh, well, you should never let, you know, children see monster movies or this or that or whatever kind of thing. And that's fine if that's the way your your you, your you parenting style is. It's not mine by any stretch of imagination. But the thing is, when you're talking about uh, maybe like... King of the Monsters might be the harshest one, and I don't mean that in like there's anything in it that's inappropriate, but it's just there's a lot of adult themes going, not adult themes like that. Keep it in <laughs> your pants,
3: okay? But there's you a just, lot of grown up. Uh, well, I you mean, see Jimmy just reaching for that 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 uh, you no, know, the button dump right button there. Yeah, he's like We're uh, the
1: dump out. button is jet. What are you talking yeah. about? Although let's be honest, this is episode 69. So
5: 69 dude. <laughs> uh, so I'm just saying this. So the, 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 the more kind of like, you know, ideas of like war and whatever. I and mean, doesn't the mother say, you know, soon we'll be, we'll be with father soon and all this yeah. other stuff. Like it's, there's a lot of going on in Godzilla uh, King of the monsters. But even when you watch it as a kid a movie like Rodan is, is hard as a kid because people are getting killed. Like this not, yeah. this isn't a fun romp. I mean, I love Rodan, but it's not a fun romp. Whereas no, Rodan leans heavy into the yeah, horror aspect. For yeah. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. So then when you get, when you watch a movie like either monster zero or Ghidorah, right. Those films are, I don't want to say they're, they're kind of more fun, but they definitely have more what kids want to see right there's spaceships and there's monster fights and there's S- there's guys with guns and this is the- it's like it's like when you first see Godzilla versus Megalon you're like oh look at this there's Godzilla and there's Jet Jaguar and now mm-hmm. there's Megalon and now there's Gaiga. like this is everything like it's those kind of things that would there's a reason why those movies hit well on American television and with Americans this is Terror of Mechagodzilla's biggest cutting thing Terra Godzilla spelled the end of Godzilla for what? Nine years, right in Japan, Mm -hmm. because it made no money. It made Mm -hmm. no, no money. And then it comes to America and it's like a huge hit. Now, granted it came to America a number of years later, but it was a huge hit. Why? Because what's in Terra Godzilla. It's the stuff that we would like the stuff that you saw in the 60s. You liked it's monster fights. There's like, there's all kinds of stuff going on there. And Mechagodzilla was pretty dang over. I mean, mm-hmm. I understand it's not Ghidorah, but he was pretty dang over in, in the grand scheme of what's happening. And if you look at which movies were successful, you know, kind of thing, that's part of what you, when you look at what, what movies are successful even, you know, whether it be in Japan or overseas or in Europe or whatever, it's kind of funny sometimes how some movies hit everywhere and some movies really hit in some places. For example, this movie, so so uh, Ghidorah, the the Three-Headed Monster, 5.41 million lifetime admissions in Japan. So Mm -hmm. 5.41 million people bought, not people, but tickets sold. Mm-hmm. It makes it the sixth most attended Godzilla movie to this time and the 95th most attended movie in Japanese history up to this time, like mm-hmm. uh, to current day. I don't mean by 1964 mm-hmm. after current day. That's insane. That's mm-hmm. crazy. It's, it's a Godzilla sequel and it's mm-hmm. not even Godzilla versus King Kong. Like no, which literally that, that was like, still
1: number one, that was yeah. still yes. number one. that's what i'm saying in terms of tickets sold yeah 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 now one of the sources i looked at actually said this one technically made more money i'm attributing that to inflation yeah yeah yeah. right because it didn't sell as many tickets it made the u.s equivalent of one million dollars i think it's like 375 million yen i'll double check my numbers
3: yeah the wickazilla is saying estimated 375 to 390 million yen yeah so you know give, given the the exchange rate at the time but no i mean and and you know you're right typically a lot of japanese media use tickets sold as their metric to yeah, kind mm-hmm. of just be the 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 well, the, the leveling right right
5: because, because yeah. you can't you can't compare dollars to dollars because right. 1964 dollars yeah. to $2, 2022 dollars are not even close the same dollar you know mm-hmm. like so if by that token if you were to look at the 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 legendary godzilla i know we're talking about different country look at those films right? Like every one of those movies annihilates every Godzilla movie from the 60s. Why? -hmm. Because they made so much more money. It's not, you can't even compare those movies. You can't even compare those movies because it's, it's, it's tickets sold is what you should Mm -hmm. look at. Because at the end of the day, whether the the ticket costs you a nickel or a 20, it's how many times is someone willing to plunk down money to stick their keister 18 inches away from another keister to watch this movie. Right yeah, or mm-hmm. any movie, right? It's mm-hmm. put butts in seats, right? It's butts so, in
3: seats. That's what it all boils down to.
5: Yeah,
1: yeah. it's just like uh, adjusted for inflation, the yeah. highest grossing movie of all time is Gone with the Wind.
3: Yeah, of right. course. As god awful as it is, are we? Are we, are we allowed <laughs> to say that? I know that movie's been, you know, it's on the outside. Well, we wait, 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 wait,
5: wait, 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 wait. I will say something positive about Gone with the Wind, and people can don't can't even disagree. In Gone with the Wind. The wall that's used there is from King Kong. Just throwing it out there. It's yep. really cool. Wall is
3: from King Kong.
5: <laughs> and that is a <laughs> factual topical. thing. Yeah. Yeah, yes, right. I, I know I was going to tie it back around. I, this way no one can say. No, it's it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't have to uh, like the movie, think it's any good. It's you it's, can you can think Carol
3: yeah. Burnett's you know portrayal I was say, on the Carol Burnett Jerome's uh, the, now with Carol Burnett. That
1: one's yeah. really
4: good.
1: The <laughs> no, well, for what I remember reading, even though that episode was. Almost three years ago now. I also remember that the wall in King Kong was from a Cecil B. DeMille biblical epic from the twenties. It, it, yeah. it is.
5: It is. But it is also it was, as my dad was like, That's the wall from King Kong. And I'm like, but it's also <laughs> you know what, from this.
3: But yeah, you know, you know what why? Boils because down you, down to
5: whatnot, to, you don't want to ever waste anything.
3: That's what yeah, that comes from. Exactly. Down to. That. It's like, do you think we should get rid of this wall? No, we can yeah. use this wall in another movie. <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: You know, it's it's, it's like, <laughs> like the thing is like we need a big wall for our movie. We have big wall
1: at home. But there's yeah. big wall here. So. Yeah, well, but to bring it back to this movie, <laughs> yeah. in, in this one, it's not big wall, it's big landscape. Because yeah. people want to say that, it, you know, that this movie is less impressive comparatively because there's not as many city miniatures in it. Well, you know what? The landscape where the climax of this movie takes place, oh. that was built to 125th scale and yes. took 12,000 man hours to yes. make.
3: Yes, I love Mount Fuji in this. It is the perfect setting. Many, many years later, in Pacific Rim Uprising, whatever you think about that movie, <laughs> that the finale oh, takes boy. place at Mount Fuji.
1: Yeah,
3: you, you can't beat it, right? You have to. Yeah. I mean,
1: monsters Mount fighting Fuji, at Mount Fuji. Mount Fuji is is you know it's the tallest mountain in Japan. It's got a lot of cultural significance, and it usually gets reserved for the big kaiju movies you know it's yeah. king kong and godzilla's battlefield it's Ghidorah versus the three you know the the big three you know it, it's a huge deal when it happens and then, yeah. then you know gamera and gauss i guess but you know
3: no yeah, but but that's a big deal in the in that context right in the gamera yeah. series it's a big deal to fight gauss at that mal fuji so yeah but i i always love that and again Having seen it when I was so young, it's yeah. always made an impression on me, and that's that's the setting, right? So it never, you get that complaint sometimes with the films of, like, oh, well, they, they fight in the wilderness, so they don't have to build sets. It's like, yeah, but you know what? The the greatest monster fight ever takes place in the wilderness, it takes place on Mount Fuji. So, yeah, I can I can never get 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 too upset with that, and it also oh, helps and destroy that, all
1: monsters. There's yeah,
3: destroy all monsters. Of course, uses it as well, and and it also helps that part of that is that we get such, now that we can see this film in widescreen, so oh. much of that final reel looks so much better now in widescreen. You know, because you have some of the the best individual monster interactions ever in this film. You know, you get... Okay, so when, when Godzilla and, and Rodan join the fight, Godzilla goes down the hill and fights Ghidorah with Mothra. Okay? And then... Rodan basically gets King Gator to chase him, right? In the air. Mm -hmm. And so he does the supersonic ram, right? Because we've already established from Rodan how fast Rodan can fly, right? Mm -hmm. That he can fly and maneuver at supersonic speeds like a jet. And so he's flying super fast. King Gator is chasing him. He does a 180 and rams him. Mm -hmm. I love that. I've always loved that since I was a kid because it's like, it's like that that's how Rodan's gonna fight. We, we know Jay and I we talked about this when we did King of the Monsters twenty nineteen. Rodan's not backing down from anybody. You know, mm, he's no. the wild card he's gonna go right at you. And then you know, and then he's like, you know, and, and so from there, right after that, what do we get? We get Godzilla towing Mothra back up the hill when Mothra grabs onto his tail and gets the toe. Right? And mm-hmm. then a little bit after that, we get, you know, one of the greatest bits ever with his Mothra on Rodan's back for the mm-hmm. airlift. yeah, And that shot was cool back in the day on VHS, but now in widescreen where you have all four monsters left to right across your your uh, your television set of Godzilla, King Ghidorah, and then Mothra on Rodan's back with all of them in that 235 to one Toho scope shot. It's beautiful. It just, oh. that's Toho ego right there. That's Daikaiju Iga,
4: you know? Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I know we all love Destroy All Monsters and it's a big deal with all, you know, with just the sheer number of kaiju that are in that. But I, it's hard to top, I think, this final battle here when you only have about half as many monsters.
3: Yeah, everybody gets more of an opportunity to shine.
1: Yeah, because it feels big because we have three returning monsters you know, who had all had solo movies. At one point or another, we have the Shobajin coming back, played by the wonderful Peanuts, yeah. and the, you know, a lot of big name actors who have been in these movies. So, you know, Harada is in this, and yep. you know, or, is Akiko, in it as well. Kuzumi, Akiko yep. Wakabayashi, Hoshi. Mm-hmm. So, I it feel this movie really does feel big, especially if you're doing like what we're doing here on the show, watching them in chronological order and seeing them in context. That I mean, yeah. it just it really does feel big and momentous. And then when you throw in a new fantastic monster
3: with Ghidorah, I just... Right. Well, that's why I said that it's like Marvel's The Avengers. It's the Mm -hmm. first Avengers movie. You had Mm -hmm. three stars who were made on their own films. Yeah, they started crossing over a little bit. That had happened in the Avengers movies too, right? Mm -hmm. So you had three stars who were, they were were established well-named stars. Well, they got to come together and fight the big bad. I mean, it's, there's a reason why that formula works and it works in different media. And so when, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest with you and Jay, again, you were, you, I know we had the same discussion when that was the discussion, when Marvel started, it's like, oh, we're going to make all these solo movies and bring everybody together. We said, oh, it's like, it's like Godzilla and the universal monsters Yep, Mm -hmm. because they did that in the forties and the sixties respectively. Yeah. And it's like, of course of course, that's perfect. That's perfect for a comic book. It's perfect for monsters, especially when monsters exist as a form of a comic book. You know, that's, that's the kind of mm-hmm. level this is at. And that's not, that's not a pejorative on my part. So yeah, absolutely. And you said, it, it's, it's the right movie at the right time. You had Godzilla as, you know, the, the, uh, the embodiment of, of death. You had Godzilla as the heavy. Then you had a crossover movie with Godzilla as the heavy. It's like, Both those two movies made a lot of money, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, we can make a lot of money doing this. So it's the right movie at the right time. And like you said, especially watching it in the context. And it's, it's just, again, nothing about this movie ever bugs me. I, so much of it, even the oddball things that we talk about, like, you know, like we said, why is the princess the, the the prophetess other than the plot demands it because the plot demands it. It's, it's a movie, it's entertaining and it's supremely entertaining. Mm -hmm. Every part of this just works.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So mm-hmm.
3: something I always tell dad and I talk about I mean there's a couple
5: of things we always talk about like you know why build it if it's if, you know if you don't want build a set if you can find it in nature and stuff like that yeah. sometimes people and I don't mean like you know you people I'm just saying yeah. sometimes people what do you mean you people <laughs> what do you mean what do you you people? mean you people <laughs> <laughs> sometimes people get like you know like well you know how come this has to be like that like you're willing to buy Everything else in this movie, but you're not willing to buy that. The princess is either actually from Venus or she's possessed or she has like, you're willing to buy the rest of it though. Like you're willing to buy the giant prehistoric beasts that are fighting, but you're not willing to buy that part. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to just buy in. Right, I always right. I always tell my, my my students, I tell them to my daughter, I go, look, you have two choices in life. You either buy in now or you're going to wish you bought in, like later, you know, kind of thing. You buy in, you have to buy in. I don't care if it's, you know, what you're doing, like if you're not buying into the premise, then, and you're going to question the whole thing. I, and I get it. Like it's a movie and you're like, but Jay, this movie's not supposed to change your life. And I, I'm not saying it has to, but if you are willing to believe that. Rodan comes out of the mountain. Godzilla comes out of the ocean and Ghidorah is born out of that meteor, which is growing, even though meteors can't grow. If you're willing to <laughs> buy all of that, then why are you not willing to buy the other thing? And sometimes it's just because you're like, well, it's a plot. Like it's not a plot hole. Okay. It's literally just what the plot demands. So they're saying, well, how could she know she had to be at that place at that time? Dude, are you joking? Like, I literally can take any movie that that person loves and shoot a million holes in it. And they're like, why are you doing that? It's like, because why are you trying to nitpick something that makes sense in the movie? I mean, she's on the plane. The Venusians are, you know, kind of visiting, right? It makes perfect sense. It's not that it doesn't make sense. What would not make any sense if literally they were like, Oh no! The princess has escaped, and magically, she like we have no idea what happened to her on the plane. That might be confusing. We see her jump, you know. Sh- maybe she bounced. Who knows? I'm not. I'm just not here to, you know. Maybe she did fall through an interdimensional portal through two different portals and dimensions and whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't. I don't know. It's it's all like Doctor Strange stuff to me. It just could happen. I mean, you yeah. know, whatever. There's a multiverse. And, you know, it's magic. Whatever. We don't have to explain it's it. It's magic. <laughs> right. oh, 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 we're to no, to magic play that of part, fi- huh? Well, no, it's the magic of filmmaking.
3: What is it? There that? you go. Yeah. That or you got to get you got to get uh, SpongeBob imagination. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I only think? know SpongeBob because of memes.
4: <laughs>
1: yeah.
5: Yep. Well, me too. Actually. Yeah. I've actually never seen a SpongeBob episode my entire life. I know. Shocking. I'm old. It <laughs> happens. Go watch yeah. some Super Friends. Anyway, I'm um, so, uh,
1: um, definitely too young for, to remember Super Friends. Oh
3: <laughs> and and Super
5: Friends
1: How about Fundar the
3: Barbarian. That was the oh one that was God. popular in our house.
5: Fundar the Barbarian only has so many episodes. I own it on bootleg DVD, regular DVD, and Blu-ray because it's a Maze Balls. But the idea though is that if you're willing, again, buying in and and isn't that part of like not to be. All joking aside, isn't that why you watch a movie, right? I mean, yeah. it, this yeah. is this, this is not a documentary, right? This is not like like a documentary where you're trying to learn, like you know, like you think you're going to somehow solve, you know, wh- what happened to DB Cooper. You're going to figure that out, right? Because that's you, right? There's a reference people are going to get you, sold. you and you
3: and your you and your pajamas with the potato chip crumbs on your chest. You sir, you're going to figure it out. <laughs>
5: Yeah, right, right. You, you are going to get this, right? Yeah. But isn't that the whole point of watching a movie is that you kind of use it as a chance to escape and be entertained and whatever. And, the, you know, there are so many things in life that are boring as heck because you have to be there, right? There's so many things in life that you're like, Ugh. like, so if you don't enjoy this movie, don't watch it. If you do enjoy this movie enjoy it because the new criterion is pristine by the way. Like, I don't oh my know. Gosh, Yes. Yeah. And I know, I know some, I don't know. Again, I own this on DVD. Was this one of the one, what do you call it? Luke's like the, uh, the steel book ones.
3: Yeah. This was one of the classics yeah. media with the soul.
5: Yeah. This was in classic media. Yeah, yeah, So I definitely, I have all of those. And in fact, cause the, cause the war, the are of that is going for a pretty penny. Because yeah. That's you know, that's yes, the double feature, the double
3: feature with Rodan. Yes. Yep. Yeah.
4: Mm.
5: So the thing is, like if you enjoy the if you have the DVD, great watch it. If you haven't seen the criterion, I'm just gonna throw this out there. This movie will never look better than it does. It's all cleaned up. HBO Max, I know. Uh, I hate that Jay. Just listen. HBO Max has the rights to the criterions. They're showing all of them streaming. So if you don't yep. have the hundred dollar box set and if you if you don't and and, and you know you because you're on the fence like i don't know if i should pick it up it's amazing it's just absolutely amazing you can watch it on hbo max yeah. and i was amazed how clean it looked even there because i was thinking like well, what copy could they have these movies i don't think were ever supposed to be seen the way we're seeing them now just right. to be very honest they were yeah. never supposed to be seen literally in a like what what is it a 2k or 4k restoration and 1080 like like the only limitation is literally my eyes, you right. know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. don't know if these movies are supposed to be seen that way, but they are. And yes, some people like oh, I can see the wire at this point. I Good God, like you know, like he wasn't actually
3: floating. Yeah. It's, it was it, a dude. It was it was a dude yeah. being held up it's with wires. It's okay
5: in a suit. Like if you really, if that's what broke you, if you did, if you were believing, like wait, it wasn't real. Like I got a news for you. Spoiler alert. Star Wars is not real. Sorry. Star Trek. <laughs> spoiler alert. Not real. What, what show, what, what is your fandom of choice that you want to take shots at Godzilla? I will pull it apart. I don't care what it is. Cause it's not real. Right. Right.
3: If you're gonna say boxing, it's not real. Sorry, sorry, spoiler yeah. boxing's not real. Yeah. it's a work, right? I thought, I thought it was real like pro wrestling. Turns out it's fake like pro boxing.
5: <laughs> <laughs> right? Even even MMA is a work at times. I'm just yeah. saying is if you if you do it if you haven't seen this movie in a while, folks, do yourself a favor, watch it on the criterion, watch it on HBO yep. Max, watch it cleaned up. You'll appreciate it. You think I was like, gonna
3: say, and if you if you're if you're budget conscious. And you, you know, don't either have HBO Max or have a friend with HBO Max, right? (laughs) These are also on, believe it or not, this is also on YouTube free with ads legally. And it's the same criterion one that's on YouTube as well, Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. because it's like, now, yes, it has ads. Okay. But, you know, I'm, I'm okay with, with, with the ad supported stuff. I'm, I'm big on ad supported streaming services, What they call them fast free ad support, ad supported streaming so that but yeah so it's out there for you to consume even if you don't have that criterion and it is it is totally worth your 90 minutes to sit down mm-hmm. with this film because
1: it it is a joy it is also available on crackle plex Ooh. tv pluto tv and tubi so pretty are much anywhere anywhere you are, want to are go. those all are those all showing the criterion i that i don't know oh, yeah. i wouldn't be surprised if they are I would, I would, I think it's the now. Janus Films yes. re-
3: restoration yeah. is the one, so I can check that. Tubi is very popular. Pluto less so. Pluto more people I think use their lives, not their live stream, but like their live channels,
4: mm-hmm. you know,
3: rather than they're on demand. But they do do a, They have a, a wonderful selection of on demand stuff and Crackle as well. So all those, you know, I, I do that anytime I'm, I'm like about to, we're, we're we're programming a movie for one of the other shows. I try to figure out what free service it's on. So I can say, hey, if you don't have it, right, you can go watch it on a free service. I'm not making you spend money, okay? If you want to spend yeah. money, I'll, I'll I'll enable you. I'm like the worst enabler ever when it comes to people spending yes. money. Yes. I've had I've had wives of my friends say, Luke, you're not going to this show with my husband because mm-hmm. he's going to spend more money. Because like, yeah, dude, yeah, yeah, you need to buy that that Spectrum ZX and the Atari Lynx. Yes. <laughs> see, see, you. See, I talked my says, friend into the Lynx. I could not talk him into the Spectrum. He did yeah. buy the links, though. Here's the problem, <laughs> is that
5: as bad as Luke might be, when we're together, he's like, dude, do you really need that? Like, He's the voice of reason. Because I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm buying this. He's like, dude, you really need that? I'm you like, don't need an enabler. You're your, yeah. you're your own enabler. <laughs> like, like, do we really need a six-pound bag of Tootsie Rolls? The answer was yes.
4: Yes, <laughs> we did. We
5: did. And, and, and did we also need to buy a five-pound bag of fruit chews with it? Yes, yes, we did. Did we have to have <laughs> it all delivered in less than – what was it? Seven hours. It was door to door. Yeah. They got that thing to us. I felt so. The guy gets in the box downstairs. He goes, "What's in here?" I go, "Human head." <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it couldn't be. It was the wrong shape. Um, so anyway, but yeah, eleven pounds but, of candy. Yeah, <laughs> just throwing it out. And
3: there. all I can picture is some dude at the Amazon warehouse. Go, go, go! Now, now, now! You know, down there. Up. Go.
5: Yeah, it's okay. The stuff for the nurses came quick too. Anyway, the whole point is, is that yeah, like like yeah, Luke and Nate have said. It is you have availability to watch this if you if you'd like to see it for free. If you do have the 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 Blu-rays, pop them on. I'm a big supporter of physical media myself. So is Luke, I know, nope. and I Nathan. It appears you are as well. Oh yeah. So and and of course, obviously, if you have HBO Max, it's just whatever your way of watching this. It's well worth your time, and if you have younger.
3: How to put this? I mean, I I, I feel bad saying kids because not everyone's like, it's what? They're not my kid." It's like, okay, but if, if you've you got have... if you've got a younger person in your life, who would whether yeah. it's a, you know, a kid, a you know, a mentee, a uh, you know, a niece, a nephew, a young cousin, right? This is a great movie yeah. for kids. Yeah, absolutely yeah. great movie for kids. Yeah,
5: and because because there's nothing in here that you're going to be like, oh no, they can't see that. Like, I mean, if they, if, unless unless they really truly in their heart of hearts is real are really upset by people's poor aim. When they're shooting, (laughs) there's nothing here that, I mean, there's not like tons of, there's a little bit of blood when you get shot in the arm, but it's not blood like they get crushed, but like no one thinks that's blood, you know, kind of thing. It's not like, you know, but, but the monster, the monster interaction is great. The human stuff isn't tedious and boring. Which is sometimes an issue with movies, and I, those are movies without giant monsters in it. They're just tedious and boring mm-hmm. movies, and they yeah. call them award-winning, award-winning, whatever. Awards.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah. Amazingly, yeah.
4: On thanks,
5: Slumdog Dog yeah.
1: Just, yeah. <laughs> I've, amazingly, on HBO Max, this is not one of the ones with the really botched up descriptions unless they fix those i remember that was a little bit oh infamous yeah. for a while yeah. well yeah they, they had might all
3: have... odd descriptions of people like i don't know what movie this is because what yeah, they're, they're describing like, isn't yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah and zilla yeah now this one is not too impressive because it says mothra godzilla and rodan join forces to take on a space invasion but that's yeah. pretty much the movie though yeah, that's, invasion. I mean, invasion. that's that yeah. kind of implies invador. more than one invader. Well, invader uh,
5: might be better, but okay. Invader. Invader.
1: Invader. <laughs> yeah.
5: He's, he's uh, well, a villain let's, from let's see the what 80s. it says. <laughs> let's
1: see what it says for the next one for Monster Zero. I'm guessing they probably fixed these. But yeah, it says aliens sure try to use Godzilla, Mothra, and Rodan to take over the planet. Okay. Whoops. No, Moth. That's a lie. Mothra is, yeah, Mothra not, in, is and... not in there.
5: <laughs> Mothra would like,
3: never be controlled by aliens, except that one time and destroy all monsters.
4: <laughs>
5: like, why are you being so nitpicky? They they got most of
3: it right.
4: You know, yeah.
5: It's like it's like you go you, on you a field trip when you when you're you know when you're younger. We went with a hundred kids, come back with ninety nine. It's a pretty good return on investment. You leave yeah. go with a hundred kids, back with a hundred. Once someone's got a new brother or sister, whatever yeah. it is, you know, kind of thing. Like, Look, Jimmy, here's your new brother. You know, kind of uh,
4: thing.
1: what? <laughs> Jimmy has a brother. What?
3: Yeah,
4: his brother is
3: dead. No. I was going to say it's the Hal. field triggering little too. The field trip was to Cape Canaveral, so it's okay. We'll just get another NASA guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. He's calming down now. Yeah, I yeah, say, so okay, he's oh. fine with Cape Canaveral. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. So
5: anyway, like we say folks, again, this is a well worth your time to check it out. Yeah. You know, obviously we all love this movie. I mean, it's uh, it's a movie that my brother and I have spent many an hour You know, watching and rewatching and stuff like that, and getting our, our, you know, because there were uh, nowadays you could actually get like, you know, vinyls, but there were no vinyls back in the day in America. You just kind of had dinosaurs and stuff and you pretended.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Tyrannosaurus and a pterodactyl. Yeah. You know,
5: yeah. (laughs) Because we had a thing called imagination and we used (laughs) it, you know, kind of thing to our advantage. You
3: know, um, I'm not too proud to admit that when I got the Trendmasters toys, I was a little disappointed that we didn't have a Larva Mothra. Yeah. <laughs> that you only have an Imago Mothra because I could not then reenact Ghidorah. I could only reenact Monster Zero with my right. Trend toys when I was in like eighth grade. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, okay I, admitting that. Yeah, Trendmasters uh, you toys know, know that what? Were, were pretty dang you know cool what? though. Yeah, they yeah. were. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The, you know what? That's a. There, a good there, was have,
4: there was something I about
3: say. being able to go to the Jefferson Valley Mall and go to the KB Toys and buy a Biolanti or a Gigan, like for U.S. money, not 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 going to the Poughkeepsie Gallery and going to that import shop. Remember oh. that one? Yes, the it's one so that was I wasn't cool. allowed to go in. when with my girlfriend at the time, we were talking about her in the green room. Yeah, you know, because mm-hmm. she's like, "Look, you're not going in there." I'm like, "Oh, come on!" Yeah, they did have <laughs> a, a lot giant poster of, of the Ginyra so, Aruchi the- in there. <laughs> yeah we are, we are going very very local <laughs> you've been known
5: to do that on occasion no, no one nope never have my brother and i ever on a podcast gone super hyper local yeah yes. you know
1: but uh, <laughs> uh oh jimmy knows what you're talking about again native new yorker <laughs> yeah.
5: so anyway
1: oh, my gosh. oh okay yeah. let let me tra- <laughs> let me transition us to the next segment Well, that was a little bit more rambunctious of a discussion than I was expecting. But then again, it's you two. <laughs>
4: yeah. You're boys, a couple of boys.
1: the only people who can actually compete with me on the air. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs>
5: uh, we be them boys. That's what it is. So yeah, yeah you uh, be
1: them boys. You be them boys. <laughs> but now it is time. For an important segment of the show because it helps to keep the lights on around here, and that is the Patreon shout outs.
5: Travis Alexander, Big Danny
3: Domena, Eli All the Way Harris, Chris Cooper. The one and only Bex from Redeemed Otaku.
5: Demon, bring in da noise, bring in da funk.
3: The Cellcast. Eric Anderson of Nerd Chapel.
5: The Sultan of Swat, Ted Williams. Tofu
1: to, oh, Wow! Wow. Um, once again, I feel like I need to be watching WrestleMania right now. <laughs> <laughs> the Sultan of SWAT. Oh, my <laughs> well,
5: God. Ben you knew that one is- was
3: coming. I, I knew used- that one was coming That's an anyway. easy
5: one. The Sultan of SWAT. <laughs> So, Damon, bring in the noise, bring in the funk. Like, and that's what I haven't heard yet. Nice job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what did you got? What did you
1: use? Oh, it was usually stuff like, you know, make some noise. You know? Oh, yeah. oh for- <laughs> I I figured there's no other one to be
5: but bring in denoise, bring in de Funk,
1: uh, So So there we go. He's a good I'm sure he'll appreciate hearing more hearing
5: more puns off of his name because it's um, so easy. You do know that my brother and I literally have our entire lives been had our names made fun of.
1: Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> it's
5: like someone goes, oh, they said they were bringing Jason, Jack, and Eddie. And I said, why three
1: people? And I said, ah, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, so, actually, that joke was made on a recent episode when I announced that you guys were coming on because yeah. Travis said that when we talked about Beware the Blob.
5: Yeah. <laughs> well. The problem is, my friend whose name is Chris, Phil, and Jerry. Oh my so, God, yeah. Right. <laughs> and so he goes, and I had all his sons in either on my as football players or students. He, he, when we were working together one summer, and he goes, All right, well, I'm Chris, Phil, and Jerry, and this is Jason, Jack, and Eddie. So by ourselves, we're going to be the whole <laughs> department, okay? And they were like, What? He goes, There's six of us. You all can go home. And I was like, Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs>
4: the two, the two be- man
5: power
1: trip. Yeah, that's
3: what we are—the two man. Yeah, the two man. So,
5: no,
1: so I'm the co-host of the Power Trip. What are you talking?
3: <laughs> that's like well, that—that's what I call you guys. Every time that like, you guys, I do other Facebook feedback or Twitter feedback, I call you guys the the, the two man Power Trip podcast.
4: <laughs> <laughs> As you should.
1: Whew, yeah, we're having a good uh, grand old time. Oh man, there's some things that whew, not not leaving the island. Let me tell you. Uh, except for you patrons who want to pay to hear this but speaking of promotion we got to talk about the next couple of episodes i have uh, coming up so amerikaiju our temple series for season three will be continuing with a movie that i have been very excited to talk about on this show for a long time i don't have you talked about pacific rim yet on earth destruction directive mr jack and eddie
3: Yes, I have. Longtime friend of the show, Mr. Lomax or W.L. Lomax. He and I talked about Pacific Rim a long time ago. We talked about it actually when the movie came out. We did an episode, a guiding episode covering Pacific Rim and really at some point need to come back and revisit it as a retrospective. Man, what a, what an absolute, you, you talked about this film being a joy. That film also just an absolute oh, joy yeah. of, of Mecca and Daikaiju.
1: Oh, yeah. And I can't I can't wait to get into it with with that one. Yeah, I I have to keep reminding myself you're kind of the the veteran now in the Kaiju podcasting sphere at this point with the closure, I guess you could say, of Kaiju cast. So, yeah, I was was wondering if you had. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing.
3: I've been doing this for 11 and a half years at this point. I know, which is which is astounding. And yet, you know, somehow still managed to find new things to to say and
1: people's names to still mess up. So I got yeah, that going I- indeed, on. You know? Indeed, indeed. <laughs> and my guests for that episode, it's going to be like this one. I'm going to have multiple guests. So that should be interesting. We're going to be having the drifters from the Drift Space podcast uh-huh. on. So we could be looking at Jack G-Man Hudgens, his sister Rebecca and J.R. Villers. At the very least, there's. One other guy named Dave on the show. Well, I'll see if I can get all four of them on. It's going to be interesting. The same thing. They, they can two all drift two guys two guys named Dave. Yes.
5: <laughs> the same thing. Same, there's, not, there's not two guys named Dave.
1: It's the Daves, you know, kind of things. <laughs> Sorry, PCU. Uh, anyway. <laughs> well, and for what I understand, they have their own Jaeger. So that's how oh, they're getting here. Then. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting. And then, oh, boy. Godzilla Redux is continuing with one of Jimmy's... Actually, it's not one of Jimmy's favorites. It is Jimmy's favorite. We've already talked about it a bit (laughs) for this episode. Invasion of Astro Monster or Monster Zero, whichever title you prefer. And hoo boy, I'm looking forward to that one. Although I still have to finalize a guest for that. I've been fluctuating a little bit about who to have that on. So it's a wee bit of a mystery at this point. Hmm. Hopefully by... The Pacific Rim episode, I will have finalized that. Follow the light.
3: Yeah, the light yes, is your guide. <laughs> I mean, and shout out to a rapper King Gidera, who has a amazing track called Phasers. Which, if you have not heard it, and you're a fan of Monster Zero, I recommend you go listen to. It. I'm dead serious. What? <laughs> Set your phases and- on stun, man. I, I I cut that when I covered Monster Zero on. Or destruction directive. I cut it into the end credits, and it, it is a great track. And I'm not a hip hop guy, and it is a great track.
1: I'll have to look for that. <laughs> Jimmy's got a thing for hip hop and rap, apparently. So you know, might have to sneak it in there for him. Oh, of course you have that album. I, I I'm, it, you surprised me a lot, Jimmy. I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right, and then because we have an extra Wednesday in August. You're gonna get a bonus episode, and it's also going to be Pacific Rim related, but not one that I'm looking forward to because it's over uprising. Hey, <sighs> you know what?
3: Not every not every sequel's gonna reinvent uh, a, a you know and gonna gonna top the original. Go in and and understand. It's like you know what if you've ever wanted to see a super robot anime turned into a tokusatsu, right? That's what you know, because it very much is embracing not even the real robot part of a lot of that is super robot, you know, so Mm. there's some real robot aspects to it. But I if you take it like a super robot anime, it plays a lot better.
1: Well, we'll see. Uh, uh, It's going to be less about me sitting there discussing the movie and more about Jack G Man Hudgens coming on and defending it. I think that's actually what I'm going to title the episode. If yep. g-man defends pacific rim <laughs> uprising because yeah i don't have a whole lot of nice things to say about it <laughs> we we'll you if ever, read the, uh, my- ever read the prequel comic amara not all of them unfortunately
3: there, there's the one that in between cool but then there's one that's just about amara that's pretty good hmm. it's kind of it's more like a long one shot rather than a it, they released it as an ogn but it's really just kind of like an oversized one shot that one's pretty good
1: Yeah, so we'll basically be going into this with the mindset of G-Man changed my mind. So we'll see if he can succeed come that bonus episode. And now, gentlemen, we come to one of the other most important segments of the show. Shameless self-promotion! So I'll just quickly mention, go listen to Men and go listen to The Power Trip, A Journey Through the Power Rangers franchise. I'm done. What do you guys got? Well... As as everybody knows, I mean the majority
3: of us. I can speak for myself, and Jay, I think I speak for you. We got into podcasting for the money, so that's why oh, yeah. really well uh-huh. we're doing this. So Make I do- absolutely have to do some shame, shameless shelf, same- shameless, shameless self <laughs> promotion. What shelf
1: saying? promotion, shelf promotion? That's, it's that it's that
3: shelf. It's that shelf porn everybody's talking about, right? Uh, yeah. they the shelf porn up on on the Facebook. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so if you if you would like to hear more of me talking about giant monsters, you can check me out at Earth Destruction Directive, a Daikaiju podcast. You can find that on any of your podcatchers. And uh, on that show, which, uh, as we mentioned, has been running for about 11 and a half years now, cover all aspects of Japanese giant monsters. You know, movies, TV shows, comics, games, toys, all that jazz. Have guests on from time to time. A lot of times just a solo show. You can find that any any podcatcher that you like. In addition, you can also find it direct download on twotruefreaks.com. Now, let me throw it over to my brother so he can tell you about his solo show before we talk about our team-up shows. So, Jay, take it away. All right. So, if you want to hear more of me, and why
5: wouldn't you, because my sultry tones have invaded your ears all this time, well, got to go to Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie podcast. It is also at two true for direct download and found in anywhere you would normally catch your podcast, however you want to, however you might be addicted to it, or whatever the podcast catcher you might use. Yes, until so bots, bugs, and bays, where I too will often have guests along. In fact, my dad and I are the normal pairing on there, but we will often uh, sometimes. Depending on what's going on, my brother will join us. Other I have authors like John Lemay, and you know other podcasters and stuff will be on there as well. And we talk about B movies. Now our B movies sometimes they get big, and sometimes they get small, and sometimes they get weird. But uh, one thing we can guarantee you is it ain't gonna be boring. Bots, bugs, and babes. Real quick, I want to mention this. Bots, bugs, and babes—just like Earth Destruction Directive—are all ages show. So you don't have to worry about any naughty words coming out of my mouth, though I do have to rain dad in sometimes, or my dad or Luke on his show, because <laughs> those are all ages. So Luke, Luke, knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. We are all ages, and we are just way we like to make it family friendly. Our, you know, my daughter's actually been on the show before. I think she was four, oh, but she was yeah. on there.
3: Yeah. Hmm. So yep. in the 8 pm. to 9 pm. hour, we will only <laughs> use the words no, never mind. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so you can check both of those shows out, like I said in your favorite Podcatcher or on freaks.com In addition, my brother and I are co-hosts on two shows, the first of which is The Vault of Startling Monster Horror, Tales of Terror, which is a horror podcast primarily focusing on horror film. That we co host with two true freaks, OG Chris Honeywell, and the hair metal hero Chris Tyler. Again, you can find that direct download at 2truefreaks.com or on your favorite podcatcher. And in addition, you may have noticed that we kind of are fans of professional wrestling. I know. <laughs> I know it's, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. when little people bit, hear that, they're like, really? You know? But <laughs> so you can check out Jay, myself, and the hair metal hero on Get Back to the Wrestling. Finally, there's a podcast on the internet about professional wrestling and we're not your typical show where it's like, Hey, we just watched raw. Let's talk about how bad it was. We kind of look more in a, a retrospective or nostalgic uh, point of view for most of our shows. Again, you can find get back to the wrestling anywhere that you would find any of the other shows for your favorite podcatcher or at two, You can also check out, get back to the wrestling on Facebook to search for the get back to the wrestling group. You can also find them on Twitter at G B T T W podcast. So if any of those sound interesting, please go check them out. We would really appreciate your support.
5: And real quick, the vault and get back to the wrestling are not all ages. There no. might be some salty language no. and a lot of it comes out of my cake hole. Just yes. like, you know, So <laughs> no
1: you should hear how Jimmy talks when he's not on the air I mean, and sometimes it comes through on the air and I'm a little disappointed I'm just like seriously man mm. so
5: the only other last thing I'd like to plug right now is real quick then we talked about get back to the rest of all that stuff and come check us out on Facebook if you're on Facebook you can check out the Art of Horror Collective which is a page where I post a lot of my stuff and also Double J Creations because I build all kinds of horror monsters and creatures and stuff like that I do paintings and stuff if you do that or check me out on instagram jason jack or check me out on facebook jason jack all the stuff is up there understand some of the stuff does have some a little bit of blood and gore but it's not real it's just paint <laughs> just so paint. calm it
1: down okay <laughs> just saying just saying yeah oh my, <laughs> like, oh my god i'm not actually killing people and or animals to get yeah. my paint yeah. i swear yeah
5: like the oh my god.
1: The one to one
5: werewolf there, are you dead? Like looks so real. Like is that a like, real werewolf?
3: It's like a so, real werewolf. Like, oh my god, like oh my god. It's like, oh my god. And my dad was like, Oh, it's so good. I'm like, Oh yeah, I know. Like oh, like, oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all these products like gave me a rash, but like this one gave me the least rash. I knew you're so, like this like the one I recommend.
5: Haley does that to oh. me all the time. She's like, All these <laughs> products gave me a rash, but this one gave me the least rash. So I guess I you didn't have to call my me on podcast YouTube for more me. Tips.
3: <laughs> Follow me on YouTube for more tips. Oh my God.
5: Oh, yeah. I also, I'm, on Hey, you on guys. YouTube. So. <laughs> Jason Jack and Eddie on YouTube as well. I have a few videos up. There's some silly videos of my daughter and stuff, but there's some videos up there where you can see my step by step process for building The Plague Werewolf by Casey Love. It's a two part It takes you about 20 minutes total to watch step-by-step step, how i painted everything with music and descriptions and there's also a sizzle reel on there and i'm working on some other stuff there's always fun stuff for models and stuff like that so
3: definitely go <laughs> check out my brother's modeling my brother's models are uh model work is amazing and absolutely Thank amazing you. award-winning uh model it is, my it is yes i have i have some some hardwares here
1: so <laughs> all right well I think now is a good as good a time as any to close up shop. Thank you once again, gentlemen, for coming on to talk about this. It was a pleasure. Well, thank oh, you very thank much you for having, having us, me, man.
5: Yep. You know, I'm going to have to stretch out the arms a little and get ready to backstroke all the way home. We're going to get backstroking. <laughs> so
3: <laughs> I got no idea I'm getting home because that let me tell you that plane it just blowed up as soon as I jumped out of it. So I got nothing. And that fisherman he took his he took his floral print pants and I've noticed he's not here anymore. That yeah, guy. Son, I, uh, that off. is
1: true, that is true. But that's why I have an intrepid producer with several shall we say advanced planes and robots to take people places. So <laughs> He has a very large garage, let me tell you. Well, All right.
5: I didn't know we're going with that one. <laughs> he has a very large <laughs> garage. Uh, <laughs>
1: Okay, before we come off the rails <laughs> even more, <laughs> Jimmy, my intrepid producer, cue those credits. Thank you for listening to the Monster Island Film Vault, a podcast produced and hosted by Nate Marchand. If you want to join the discussion and be heard on the show, we'd love to hear from you. So email us at feedback at Our website is MonsterIslandFilmVault.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Monster Island Film Vault, and on Twitter where our handle is at The Monster Isla One. You can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, and TikTok. Follow Jimmy from NASA on Twitter at NASA Jimmy, and our many other colorful characters using the links in the show notes. The podcast logo was created by Tyler Souls from TylerDrawsComics.com. Our theme song is. Wanderer on the Offensive, live edit by B33J, Sarax, Juan Madrano, and Nonsensical Lexus, which is a remix of Counter-Attack, Battle with the Colossus, and The Opened Way, Battle with the Colossus by Koatani from the video game Shadow of the Colossus. All film and audio clips belong to their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. You can also support us by joining M.I.F.V. Max on Patreon. The Monster Island Film Vault is a Moonlighting Ninjas Media production. Sayonara!
0: Later that afternoon, Nate returns to his new mega-office, But to his surprise, his pseudo-sister is waiting for him there, and she doesn't look happy.
1: (sighs) Hello, Jessica.
0: We need to talk, Nate.
1: Oh, my real name. This must be serious. How long have you been sitting here waiting for me? Better question, how did you get in here? I locked this office, and I'm the only one with the key.
2: Magical girl, remember?
1: Right. Anyway, what I do now, supposedly... It's not you. It's Gary. Ha <laughs> Someone's jealous.
2: I am NOT!
1: You feel threatened by Mina.
2: That's that's not it at all!
1: You're as bad at lying as I am.
2: <sighs> me me Mimo! Me, 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 the
1: heck was that?
2: Laura and Maul taught me how to summon Mimo by singing. Keep picking on me, and I'll sick him on you! Calm
1: the heck down! sis? But if you're supposedly not threatened by Nina, then what's (laughs) (laughs) bugging you? Gary looks so sick. He did look a little pale. Exactly! But what does that have to do with your romantic rival? (laughs) I bet it's her fault. Really? Really! You know, Jess, as much as I was... kind of rooting for you and Gary... You're just going to
0: have to accept that he has a new girlfriend.
1: And she's not you.
0: Jess crosses her arms and glares at her big brother. Who said anything about being his girlfriend?
1: Jess, let's be.
0: Gary walks in, looking sicker than ever. Nate! Jessica! Help me! Gary stumbles towards them. Nate and Jess run and catch him before he hits the floor. Gary! You're whiter than Mothra's webbing! What happened to you? Jeh you are Brett. They want your- Suddenly, a long tongue flies through the door and stabs Gary in his hickey.
4: <sighs>
0: in walks Mina, who slowly sheds her disguise, revealing her true form. She has red eyes with no irises, long furry antennae on her forehead, bronze skin and crimson cape-like wings draping her back. It's her tongue sucking blood from Gary's neck. She hits a button on the wall panel, sealing the door and locking it. (laughs) Mina? No, she's a bug lady. I am am
2: Calyptra, a transformed transformed of of the Church Church of Mothreanity. What have you done to Gary? All
1: All whose lifeblood I drink belong to me. me. A vampire! Now, Now, lava lava lady, surrender your your magic magic barrette,
2: or or this worker worker bee dies. dies. What do you want it for?
0: Gary's hand raises like he's a puppet on strings. Give
4: Give it to to me, me now. now!
0: Everyone starts slowly circling around Gary, until Calyptra has her back to the office windows. It won't work
2: for a strumpet like you. How did I know that worked?
0: We kinda have the same brain, remember? Oh yeah.
1: Clone. Shut,
0: Shut up! up. Hand it over. over! No, you can't have it. Nate glances up and sees Jess's mini Mothra companion, Mimo, poke his head out from the top of the panoramic window. The creature backs up when he sees what's happening, sensing danger. Gary, I know
2: you're in there! Fight! Don't let her push you around! <coughs>
4: Don't resist me, worm!
2: Come on, Gary!
1: Mimo's outside.
2: Hmm. Fine. You can have my beret.
0: No! Jessica! Don't! Gary's face twists again as Calyptra exerts more control. Silence, Silence Heathen! Ha
5: ha ha. ha ha ha! The, the Mott Priester will really be pleased with, with me. me.
0: But first! What? what? Mimo. Mimo fires his antenna lasers shattering the window, and slicing Calyptra's tongue. Ah!
1: Now, Jess, transform!
0: Jess taps the crystal moth barrette in her blue wig and raises her hand high. Shine, Crystal Lady! A crystal cocoon forms around Jessica, and she quickly bursts from it as Crystal Lady, wand in hand! With Mothra's
2: blessing, I will smite you!
0: Calyptra pulls her tongue back into her mouth, and spits blood at our heroine. (laughs) Curse you, unworthy heir. Crystal Lady raises her flashing electrified wand overhead. Lightning laser! No! (laughs) falls to the floor and disintegrates into dust.
1: Boom, baby! I
2: won because she...
1: Don't say it! Actually, do say it.
0: Because she's...
1: Ugh, right on time.
0: Nate pulls his cell phone from his pocket. On the screen is the infamous cult leader wearing a gaudy mask shaped like Mothra's wings, with the eye holes positioned where the eyes are on Mothra's coloration. A frowning young woman wearing a bikini-style robe lays at his feet.
2: Hello, people of Monster Island. I am... Mott
5: Priester Herzog Jerry Noxfalter of the Church of Mosrianity. My most powerful transformed Fraulein will soon return with the magic artifact belonging to that false Elias, Crystal Lady. With it,
1: we will reincarnate Moser's lost priestess by rebirthing her in our cocoons. My beautiful Calyptera will
5: serve as her new avatar as a reward for her service. And with the
3: fourth Elias as my high priestess, our goddess will return to Rolissica and destroy our enemies. Rise up, Mosura.
2: Salvation is at hand. Let us celebrate Luna. Yes, master.
1: Mosura. Yeah, Mosura. Good Godzilla. That freak's more formulaic than a bad sitcom. Uh, uh...
0: Nate and Jess lean over Gary, who slowly has color returning to his face. Gary! Gary, are you okay? Ugh. I, I got a pain in my neck. Mine's named Jessica. Jessica reflexively punches his shoulder like she always does when he's rude to her, which is often. Uh, That's Japanese for shut up, by the way. Sure, weeb.
1: I... and I feel like I... I need a week long nap, but I feel okay. Kinda? Did something happen? Oh, you just had your blood drained by an evil and strangely gorgeous vampire moth woman who turned you into her mesmerized slave. Huh. That's it? Uh, yeah? Sucks. Do you remember anything she made you do? Uh, she made me stay up three nights in a row researching a Sobagen.
2: Paul and Laura? Why? Uh,
1: uh, I don't remember. Your brain wasn't getting enough blood, so I'm not surprised.
2: But what does that have to do with my Brett and this fourth Elias, the Mott Priester mentioned?
1: Beats me. It's
2: like Mina, uh, Calyptra sucked that knowledge right out of my
1: brain. Yeah, well, ashes don't talk, so we'll never know. It's probably just the ramblings of a madman. Or lies he tells his followers to get them to do his bidding, but that doesn't make sense. And neither does a magical girl clone of me. But here you are.
2: I hate to admit it, but you're probably right.
1: Red Ladder Day. Now, power down, unhension, demorph, or whatever you do to switch back to civilian mode, and take poor Gary to the infirmary.
2: Oh, uh, sh- sure. That'd be, that'd be great.
1: I'm too tired to care. Unfortunately, Mr. Gold's probably gonna deduct the damage Mimo did to the window from my first paycheck.
2: Oh, boo-hoo. If he hadn't, we'd be dead. Besides, every building on the island is covered by kaiju insurance.
1: But does Mimo count as a kaiju? Um, actually, according to the Gojira Act of
4: 1954-
1: (coughs) Explain later, Gary.
0: The end. But Crystal Lady will return when Nate covers Ebera, Horror of the Deep. Trust me,
4: I know things.